The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Pat Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, hold the applause, hold the applause. Come on, take it easy. I mean, the applause for my last day anyway, right? <laughs> hey, it's Barkley in for Pat Gray today on The Blaze. Pat Gray Unleashed. It's always a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor to be here with you. Quite frankly, I'm not sure why they haven't kicked us off. They tried once earlier this week. Yeah, this is the Gremlins. Yeah, sure. Okay, the Gremlins, the rats eating through the wires, whatever. Uh, but we're back. Hat, we're back. And it looks like, uh, what, what, uh, just hours now until we count down the new year, 2018, 2018, the big, the big, you thought 2017 was crazy. My prediction, 2017 will be even crazier in a lot of ways. Some good and some bad. By the way, we're taking the predictions. If you're on the Facebooks, you can get on over to the Facebooks and in that uh, group there. The Pat Gray Unleashed Facebook group. Folks leaving their predictions. And there were some good ones over there. Uh, let's see. Who said another another one? I, I, I'll always love these, but this guy says, just another CF. Hmm. Charlie Foxtrot. Is that what we'll call it? Another CF. Uh, it's 2018. So yeah, so you got a uh you got I don't know. You got a prediction, you want to throw throw something down. Also, I'm noticing people are still uh, continuing to grade the administration uh Trump here on the first year year 1. That is uh th- that's some interesting conversation happening over there. I'm going to pull some of those up uh, coming up here in a little bit as well. So we appreciate you joining us at Mr. Justin Barkley on Twitter. You can get over there and say hey, or you can uh, you can uh, sound off. You can say hi on the phone line, 888-900-3393. That's one 888 900 And I'm at Mr. Justin Barkley, as I said on Twitter, justin at justinbarclay.com for the uh, email address. There you go. Anything else I can give out? I guess I can give you a physical address. Uh, don't use that as much as we all we all used to, though. Although I'll tell you, it's getting kind of snazzy nowadays. Say what you will about the post office, but it's getting kind of snazzy. The postal service under fire today with the president tweets, and really, uh, this is more like directed towards uh, Amazon and uh, Jeff. Is it Bezos or is it Bezos? How do you? How do you say that guy's name? Bezos, Bezos. I think it's Bezos. Oh, you're going to say Bezos? That's uh, See, I don't know. I don't know. I've heard it both ways. And so, like, that's the problem. What do you say? Bezos, Bezos says, uh, you know, so they're, they're and, and let me, let me just say, I am a full disclosure here. I am a full member 
All benefits reflected therein of the Amazon Prime. I love it. I got those Amazon uh, dots all over my house. I can turn the lights on and lights off and listen to music. And matter of fact, I can listen to this very program. You like that? Why would I listen to the myself? Why wouldn't listen to myself? I'd listen to Pat. Yeah, but still, come on, come on now. And I love it. So I'll, I, w- I will refrain from saying the actual name, but I just tell it to turn on the lights. I'll tell it to do this. I'll tell it to do. And I went crazy with the smart home stuff over this last month or two. And my wife kind of giving me the eye, like, "What are you doing? You may want to pull it back a little bit." But I went and I got the LED strip lights and put it under the cabinets in the kitchen, and I was like, "Oh man, this is awesome." And I got the lights that t- turn on and turn off. They fade up and fade down, and they change colors if I want them to do that. And I got some that uh, go outside. They're like switches. This all started, by the way, when we put the Christmas tree up, and I was like, "Yeah, it's got to be a way to turn that thing on and off with the, you know, the, you know, the Echo thing with Amazon deal." So I went out and I started looking at the smart switches and the plugs and boom, bada bing, whatever. I was done and had that thing fired up and I just haven't looked back. I can't tell you how much money I spent and what I bought, but I love it. I mean, you can have, you know, you can have these things like if you have, uh, you get the blinds from the Glenbeck Blind Company. I don't know, remember what it's called. Like, I don't want to give the, the wrong website out, but you know, he's always getting new blinds, this Glenbeck guy. I don't know what it is. But if you had those blinds, you could have them controlled. The smart blinds, you they have them. They're really cool. You just like they have remote controls and stuff. Well, they, they work with Alexa, too. So you can have your Amazon, your Echo, whatever it is. You can have that thing open and close your blinds at certain times of the day. I've got them set up so we got lights on the deck in the in the in the backyard. So when the, we let the dogs out to go, who let? And if, by the way, if you ever have that, have that question, you ask who who did in fact let the dogs out. It was it was me and my wife. Several times during the night, these dogs want to get up. I don't know, wake us up out of a sound sleep to let them out. But all I got to do is say the magic word, deck lights on, and then boom, these things goes on. Now I'm crazy. So you you know if you haven't figured that out by now over the last uh, month or two with all the shows that I've done here. Now you know. I'm a little, I get a little nutty with the smart, but I love it. I love the smart home stuff. And I think the the beginning is just me commanding it with the voice, but if we're going to get to a place where eventually I think you're going to just have to think about it or it's just going to know what you want it to do. The next thing I want to add in is that uh, the smart thermostat save you a boatload. I was at Best Buy, and I was talking to the people. We got a, finally got a new TV. The one we had was 10 years old, probably a little bit older, actually. And we caved and finally for Christmas said, okay, we're going to do a new TV. Um, we, we got a deal. And on top of it, the lady was telling us, hey, by the way, we price match all this stuff, so make sure you check up until like January 5th or 15th, something like that. Oh, and the smart home stuff, if you get into it, let me know because I do all this. So she was telling me about all the freaky, nerdy, geeky stuff, which I, I absolutely love that she does with hers. And she was telling her, me her thermostat. I believe she bought the Ecobee. That thermostat is a A-L-E-X-A thermostat, basically, right? Works with the Echo. And she can control it via her voice. She said that the thing saved her 20 bucks a month on her bills and stuff. So 
sign me up. Where do I sign up for that? So that's my next thing. I'm gonna we're gonna put, throw that in there and get it going. I got the, I got the crazy. I told you last week. I got that crazy doorbell where I can it's the the camera. I can look out and see everybody. No no packages swiped, which brings me back to the mail thing. I finally got a notification this morning that today. I will be receiving a very important piece of mail. I thought this was really cool. And um, it's a piece of mail I've been waiting on for a long time. I won't tell, tell you exactly what it is, but the, the post office has this new thing now where you can actually go through and see what mail you're getting on a daily basis. It's called informed delivery. Now, I have a business along with it's not like I just want to go here and see what kind of junk mail I'm getting okay matter of fact thankfully they don't even show you most of that stuff but I do get I get like checks in the mail from companies and I like to stay on top of that so I know when it's coming so I can make sure that I look for it and if you've ever had and we know this mail theft package theft is it at all-time high right now especially during the holidays if you've ever had something come or or somebody said they were going to send a check and it never showed up and you wonder what the heck happened to it, this can be, especially with identity theft now, you know, we, we you got to protect yourself. So I, I was looking at this and I love this new, new they, a few years back, however this, I don't know when this started exactly, but this is enough to freak you out if I haven't already freaked you out with the fact that Alexa's in every room almost in my house listening to everything that I say. I've given up. I'm th- I got an iPhone. I've got the Apple Watch. My wife's got a phone. If they don't have everything like taped and, and wired like in every single room of our house already, I mean, I don't know. The TV's probably listening to me. My damn coffee maker, I'm sure, is hearing every single word that comes out of my mouth. The toaster is listening. I've just given in. I just don't know what else. Like, I mean, what can you do these? So I say, screw it. I'll just put these in two. I don't care. Now I am. I'm not super crazy. I am smart enough. I have a piece of tape over the camera on my laptop. So <laughs> I figure if they just want in, they're going to get in. I make it a little harder on some of this other stuff, but uh, yeah. No, I I've got it. I'm not, I'm um, completely lined up on this. So now over at the post office, you get these pictures. They're taking pictures of your mail and they have been for a while now every piece of mail letter or whatever that comes through they're taking pictures of it so i just saw today when i've been looking in the last couple of days you know i got a check here i got a check there or whatever and that tells you when a package is going to come too so you can keep an eye out for it because the post office is doing a lot of delivery now for amazon so of course the president tweeting out earlier this morning <laughs> Getting on the Amazon train. This guy really knows what he's doing. This is why I told you. Traditionally, this is the slow week. This is where everything kind of comes to a screeching halt. It has not been that way this week. If the president's got a a Twitter account, he can sit from anywhere and make news anytime he wants to, and he knows that. That's how the guy got elected. Whether you regard whether he's doing a good idea or not, you like what he tweets or not, it, it doesn't matter. This is just the reality of the way things are. I'm just had to call it out that way. 
So here's a tweet from this morning. Why is the United States Post Office, which is losing many billions of dollars a year while charging Amazon and others so little to deliver their packages, making Amazon richer and the post office dumber and more poor? Should be charging much more. All caps there. Exclamation point. It opens. It's the opening salvo. It's the opening conversation for him to be able to negotiate, go in now and figure out what they're going to do with Amazon. I will tell you this. There are a couple things I like about it, but also a couple of things I don't like about it. Amazon's a private company. All they're doing, well, I guess they're publicly, publicly traded, but they're a company, right? They're a private organization. They, all they're doing is taking advantage, and I know there are contracts and there are also deals and things negotiated with the, post, with the Postal Service and because of the bulk that they do. And I don't know if they use FedEx as much as they... I know they're using um, UPS. I don't know about the... But there's also been talk about Amazon developing its own delivery. And we've heard that with the drones and all these other things. And through the years, I think that's where, where that's going to head. That may be one of the things that drags them. I'll tell you, if it weren't for Amazon, this, uh, I don't know, maybe the post office, the post office, I mean, they make the bulk of their money from the junk mail and things like that. We've got some of the, I got to tell you, in our neighborhood, we got some of the greatest, and the, the guy that delivers our mail is amazing. We gave him a Christmas, little Christmas. I know it's one of the questions. Who do you give the Christmas gifts and the tips and things to? So we gave him some, uh, you know, a couple of gift cards to go out to eat and things like that. So, you know, we we took care of him. He's always bringing us packages, always takes care of us. So you've got this issue. Amazon could go out and design and, and figure out how they're going to get this stuff shipped or they could have somebody else do it for even cheaper. Who knows? I'm not sure. I will tell you one thing that I've noticed with the post service. They actually deliver on Sunday Amazon-only stuff. Last Sunday... Six, seven o'clock in the morning, it's dark. I'm in the kitchen getting my coffee, and I see a light is pop on outside, and there it is, at our, at, right at our, uh, at our mailbox. There's the guy, the mailman there, and it wasn't our normal mailman. I think they use different, like, Sunday delivery people. Delivering a package just in time for Christmas. So that conversation gets brought up. Man, we got a lot to talk about. Whose side are you on, Amazon or are you on Trump's? Or is it a little both? This is kind of a cloudy conversation, a cloudy discussion. We'll get into that, too. I want to talk to you at 888 lot to cover, lot to discuss as we talk about New Year's, uh, the security and some of the safety issues right now in Times Square in New York. I have a very interesting guy coming on to talk with us, Mark Herrera. He is, uh, he, this guy's an expert in some of these security issues, talking about that. Plus, it's really cold. The president also tweeted about global warming. This morning, we'll check in about that with another expert. I can't wait to introduce you to all coming up. Barclay in for Pat Gray today. Unleashed. We're on the blaze. Pat Gray on the blaze radio network. Pat Gray is here. AAA 93 Join the program. Love to have you on for Pat Gray Unleashed. It's Justin Barkley today. Barkley and the Blaze. 
having a blast getting ready for, uh, of course, this New Year's Eve celebration. And I told you, it's going to be, this is going to be probably one of the crazier. Well, 2017 was a crazy year. 2018 looks like it's going to be even more crazy. But this time between these, usually this dead spot where people just kind of like slow down and everything just sort of, it's kind of nice actually, where everything just kind of slows down to a halt. It, there's been a lot of national stories locally. Our story here, and I think in, in a lot of a lot of the parts of the uh, the country here, it's been this cold weather. International Falls, by the way, in Minnesota, self-proclaimed icebox of the nation, posted a record low of 37 degrees below zero. Forecast only has more cold and snow in parts in store for the uh, the Midwest and North. And and by the way, where I'm at in Grand Rapids, Michigan, we have a little bit of that on the way. Bruce Marcus is going to join us coming up in a little bit. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where he's at, but just give us a little bit of a heads up on, on what it's like where he's at in the blistering cold temperatures. The blistering hot stories that have been uh, bombarding us all week long. Well, we've got this thing that just won't go away. Folks in Alabama getting a little bit of a relief, depending upon which side you're on on this deal. Uh, as they certified yesterday the uh, election results while we were on the air here of this uh, Roy Moore, Judge Roy Moore and uh, Doug Jones uh, special election. If there was ever a question about whether or not the state of Alabama conducts honest and fair, safe and secure elections, that question's been eliminated from anyone's thought and mind, period. It's John Merrill, the uh, state attorney general there in Alabama. Y'all been down here with us for over six weeks every day, and you've been covering the election, and you've been promoting the election. We've never had this type of media exposure in the history of Alabama on any election, let alone a special election, which, since we were the only game in town, y'all were here each and every day promoting the election. So everybody in the state of Alabama knew there was an election going on, whether they wanted to participate or not. (laughs) Now, that's true. They want to kick these guys out as soon as they can i don't know what judge moore and his team would do in this particular instance but i do know that we have followed alabama state law and we have performed the certification as required by the code in the constitution of alabama to certify doug jones as the winner of the election on december 12th again secretary of state john merrill in in alabama now moore has what uh, 72 hours after they certify to ask for a recount, but he has to pay for it. He needs $1 million. And yesterday uh, we were told by Donna Francavilla that uh, he may have had 600000 or so. So we'll continue to keep you updated on that as well. Bruce Marcus joins us right now from a very cold place, even colder than where we are. Where are you, Bruce? I am in Eagle River, Wisconsin, which Ooh. is uh, in the northern part of the state, northeastern part. I'm yeah. about... Uh, maybe half hour from the UP, and right now we're at 15 below temp. Yeah, you're very close to 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 uh, Michigan where I am, but the UP is almost a completely other. Well, that's another territory. Also, when you go up over that bridge, see, we're trolls. We're underneath the bridge here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you go yeah, up over I... that bridge to the Upers, boy, it's a different territory, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh... There are some beautiful areas, as you are well aware, but uh, at times it could be kind of desolate. Is that the right word? Desolate. Yeah. Oof. And especially when it's brutally cold, obviously, we're at 15 below. I don't know what it is in Ironwood or Houghton, but mm-hmm. uh, it's brutally cold up here. We've had this. We were down to 22 below a couple days ago, 
and uh, it's been well below zero in the morning. Then it, the last couple of days, it's warmed up to single digits. You know, so you have a relative uh, break from the from the cold, and then we're back down to uh, below zero. This is going to be that pattern: single digits during the day, and then below zero at night through Wednesday. We've had this cold wave for about a week and a half. It's not going anywhere anytime soon, is it? No, it's uh, obviously when it gets really cold. I'm talking about 15 below now. Yeah, we had a wind chill of 30 plus below a couple of days ago when we had that 22 below. Yeah, you don't you don't even have snowmobilers going out in that weather. We have snowmobile trails going through Eagle River, and uh, a little less fun. What's <laughs> that cold? Yeah, it's, it's not the kind of thing where most snowmobilers will be out. If it's single digits, that's another matter. The businesses have remained open, but. Uh, during the below zero phase, not a lot of people go into those businesses. Mm. I could drive into downtown Eagle River, and I will basically not see anybody walking along the street. You know, they're going into their cars, and they're getting out as soon as possible and running into a store. Little, you got a little bit of a, a, of an issue with running your, your car. and uh, From what I heard the other day, you had a hard time starting it. Is that right? Yeah, I've uh, what I've done uh, obviously, they have electric outlets, electrical outlets, where you can plug in overnight in a lot of buildings. But uh, I made the mistake of going several hours without starting it. I don't have a garage. Oh, no. And so, yeah, it was – I might have even done a report with you guys where yeah. I was in my car. But um, it's you have to start your car – or you should start your car every few hours just to make sure it does start. If you leave it the uh, – if you don't start your car for like a day and then you it's 15 below and you go in there and turn the ignition on, chances are you're not going to hear anything. I got I mean, something for your for your next report. I know it's radio, but have you ever seen these guys take the boiling hot water and throw it up in the air when it's that cold? It just freezes in the air. Yes, in fact, what I've been doing, uh, I've been we have bottles. I work at a radio station up here. Yeah. And we have bottles of soda that are not refrigerated. So oh. rather than put them in a refrigerator, I throw them out in the snow. Yeah, it's the Michigan refrigerator, man. We do the same thing, but yes. with beer. And the thing, the thing <laughs> is, I had, well, we don't have any beer at the station, yeah. unfortunately. But yeah. uh, we had some soda, and I threw it out in the snow, covered it up. And about a half hour later, it went from unrefrigerated to frozen. You know, it's one of those deals. Bruce Marcus, stay warm, my friend. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Eagle Falls, Wisconsin. Cold. Brr. It's even colder there than it is here where I'm at. And honestly, I don't even want to go out to, to, to get in the car and to, to move it around. It's, it's, it's freezing. It's frigid. So what about all this global warming we've been hearing about? Oh, yeah, they've got answers for that, too. New bitter blast, coldest New Year's Day in Chicago history. It might be the coldest New Year's Eve down there at the old uh, ball drop there in New Year's in the Times Square that they've ever had. People are freaking out. Deep freeze danger. A dog froze to death. Solid on a porch. Horrible story. I think that was in Toledo. Record lows in the plains in the Midwest. There's a live chill map I've seen there on the... uh, uh, a Drudge Report website, and I'm stuck right smack dab in the middle of it. Right now, by the way, it's 19. It's a, I feel like I wanted to go earlier when I went outside. I felt like, you know, it's time to maybe I'll t- put the cutoff uh, shirt, short sleeve shirt on, you know? It's nice and 
It's balmy. It's a balmy 19 here. It is. Well, barely. Barely. Record-breaking winter cold. Don't worry. The climate explainers have it covered. What do they say? Well, you know, because you've seen this kind of, and I love one of my favorite uh, memes. I think I think Edith may have sent it to me earlier this week. And if you want to send me anything, Justin at JustinBarclay.com, by the way, in the email. Uh, it was the cover of the 1970s and the coming Ice Age. I think it was like Time Magazine. And it was the coming in the 90s of the, uh, of course, of global warming. They can't make up their mind. You've seen this push lately, by the way, to say uh, that we're seeing extreme, quote-unquote, extreme weather events. Well, how do you make heads or tails of this stuff? We'll talk to a guy who knows a thing about it. My good friend, local chief meteorologist at Wood TV. His name is Bill Steffen. He'll set us straight for the record right after this. Pat Gray, the Blaze Radio Network. Gray returns on the Blaze Radio Network. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, chill map right now. It's cold. It's just basically cold everywhere. And so we're hearing all of this deep freeze, danger, new bitter blast, coldest New Year's Day in Chicago history on the way. Setting these records all across the country. Where I'm at. Lots of snow. I think it's the snowiest Christmas in a long, long time. Uh, freezing cold temperatures, leaving ice on the roads. Then you got the snow coming in, the new snow coming in on top of it. It makes it downright dangerous to drive in. Bill Steffen is the chief meteorologist at uh, my sister station here where I work at at Wood Radio in Grand Rapids. He's at Wood TV, and he's... He's been a meteorologist here in uh, in West Michigan uh, for many, many years. Bill, how many, first of all, welcome to the show, and how many years have you been uh, fascinated with the weather and working here? Uh, the first time I did the TV show was November 5, 1974, and before that I did sports on the radio when I was 16 years old back in the Chicago area. So you know a thing or two about the weather, I'd say. I've been doing this for an awful long time, and it is cold out there. You were talking about that. You know how cold it is? It's colder than the Cleveland Browns. Is, I mean, it's, it's really cold. cold out there. It's pretty cold. What, Bill, what is, uh, you know, back in, go back to the 70s. This is when you started with your weather TV uh, forecasts. You remember, I'm sure you've probably seen these. These uh, was, it, was it Time magazine or one of these magazines that did and you can see it's a famous cover where they talk about the coming ice age. And then there were they got... three covers, not just one. Time Magazine did three cover stories on the coming ice age. <sighs> and it would, then we didn't get that. We got the global warming, which I guess started back up what in the nineties or so. And then, and and now folks are trying to. I mean, they're they're really these some of these climate folks are just scrambling trying to explain. And the president tweeted this morning, we could, sure could use some of that global warming they were talking about. Well, you know, I mean, we've morphed from, uh, you know, from the Ice Age cometh to uh, global warming and now to climate change. So we've kind of changed the terminology there. But, yeah. yeah, it was interesting. Back in the year 2000, there was a climate scientist in 
written by the name of Dr. David Viner. And he said this, snowfall will become a very rare and exciting event. Children just aren't going to know what snow is. And if you go to the Rutgers University Snow Lab, you can actually see that over the past 20 years or so, snowfall has actually been increasing and not decreasing in the northern hemisphere. Unbelievable. What what is it that how, how do these things happen? You know, you you in the weather community, uh, you, you got folks that are dealing with. You would think data. This should be very uh, scientific. We should be we should be very reasonable about these approaches. What, yeah, you what? would think so, and that's what most people think. Uh, but let me tell you, the ClimateGate emails. There was a famous ClimateGate email that said, "Use Mike's trick to hide the decline." And let me tell you, you got to, uh, you know, put a little bit of a, a caution on something uh, when, when they start talking about tricking and hiding when it comes yeah. to uh, scientific research. It's kind of interesting what they do. They don't take actual numbers. What they do is they adjust those numbers. And uh, there's a cabal of climate scientists that have worked very hard in making the past look colder and the present look warmer. And they do that with a number of different tricks. Uh, for one thing, they use ballast temperatures as opposed to perfectly good buoy data to get uh, sea surface temperatures. Obviously, three-fourths of the globe is water and ocean, so if we're going to try and uh, tell people that the Earth is uh, warming up at a catastrophic rate, and by the way, I want to add that uh, everybody thinks we've gotten warmer since the 1970s. I don't think that's a uh, uh, bone of contention with anybody here. What we disagree on is the magnitude of the warming and how much warming we will have as... uh, as we go on out here over the next decades or so. But um, another thing they do is they have what's called zombie weather stations. They have algorithms that actually generate weather data from a weather station that really isn't there. They just kind of imply that this is what the weather station should be showing if it was there. Wow. So it's, it's very interesting. And, and the climate record, there's just so many things to, uh, to deal with. For one, um, we went through back in the late 1980s a time when we we used to take uh, temperatures with regular liquid and glass thermo- thermometers. Uh, you know, we had mercury. I remember when I was in high school, we used to play with mercury. Now, you drop mercury, uh, a drop of mercury, and I mean it's a biohazard for weeks on end until they clean it up. So it's that's changed a little bit. But um, we went from liquid and glass, uh, mercury, and if it's cold enough, you need alcohol. And now we have electric, uh, you know, uh, thermometers, um, maximum, minimum temperatures. And in order to get electricity, we had to move weather stations closer to buildings where it might be a little bit warmer instead of having them way out in the field somewhere. So just that had a bit of an effect on the uh, climate record. And all that has to be taken into account when you take a look at the numbers. But if you take a look at raw numbers, like if you were to take the weather data from here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I am, you would not find the degree of warming that uh, that they uh, propose, and I think that's true over um, much of the country. You know, here in Grand Rapids, our record high temperature of all time was 108, and that was way back in 1936. If you take a look at the record high temperatures for each individual state, if you take a look at the record high temperatures for each continent, and you can do that just by doing a Google search, you can see that many of these were well into the past and not here in the present. There is climate change that's done on a local level. Obviously, when we have a a forest and we put a big city there with asphalt and concrete, it's going to be warmer when the sun shines on that asphalt and concrete. 
We've made a change in the Midwest. where We've planted the Midwest in corn and soybeans. A lot of that is irrigated. So that's had a regional effect on climate. But uh, when you're looking at something on a national basis, it's uh, a lot harder to pin down. You know, you bring up a lot of good, a lot of good cases there. Bill Stefan, a chief meteorologist at uh, Wood TV8 here locally where I'm at in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You know, you uh, you talk about these things that I think are pretty reasonable. They're sensible. People don't ever really take, I think, into consideration, especially when you're you're talking about uh, the, the 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 crops and the and and the and the corn and and also, Bill, how far back have we even been measuring temperatures? How far back do we really have? We didn't go to the South Pole until, what was it, 1911? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. only been like 100 years since we've actually been uh, in the interior of Antarctica. We only had satellite data, and we do uh, uh, try and measure temperatures by satellite sensor. Uh, That's done at the University of Alabama, Huntsville, and uh, that's that's pretty good. We have a, a record going back to about 1979 or so, and it has shown some warming. Those winters you talked about in the 70s were were unusually cold winters, and the winter of 76, uh, 77, that was the coldest winter of the last 100 years here in Grand Rapids. In the winter of 77, 78, we had the blizzard of 78, one of two huge blizzards, one in the Midwest, one on the East Coast in uh, early 1978. And after that, we had the coldest March and the fifth coldest April. And then in 1978, 79, we had uh, the uh, record ice on the Great Lakes. And I remember shoveling the snow off my roof and then walking off the roof on top of the snow that I'd shoveled off. But the thing is, is that there's so much money to be involved in this. Um, steering money around is, is, I mean, it's just millions and millions, billions of dollars with this climate issue and what policies we're going to take. And, you know, there's an old quotation from H.L. Mencken, the old muckraker, who said this. He said, the whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed and hence clamoring to be led to safety by an endless series of hobgoblins, all of them imaginary. And I kept thinking, you know, we get these stories about bird flu and swine flu, and my favorite was Y2K. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if uh, some of you can remember back that far, but I, remember they said there were planes going to fall out of the sky? and mm-hmm. all this. We, we had somebody here in Michigan that actually cemented over their in-ground swimming pool so they would be safe when the, when the clock uh, chimed on New Year's Eve, year mm-hmm. 2000, and actually went down there in that cold bunker to sit there. What did you think was going to happen, you know? <laughs> But that's the kind of stuff that you run into, and I think you have to take all of that yeah. with a grain of salt. If you, you've been around for a few years like me in the business here, you, you kind of you know what happens. And, and keep in mind the television often uh, highlights the extremes. Um, if I pick one from each party, uh, we, you know, people used to watch on, on TV a lot. We'd have Ted Kennedy, uh, you know, who would be flailing his arms up and down, and, and he, was, he was what's called a good soundbite. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of a lot of people out there like that, but they tend to get more on TV than than people who are, you know, kind of quiet and and not uh, as vocal. So uh, you know, keep, keep that in mind when it comes to uh, when it comes to television. The the goal of television is to get you to watch mm. and therefore uh, kick up the ratings. It's not necessarily to uh, you know be uh, totally uh, getting the most you know, informative people to be on uh, TV or radio. This is why I think we have a big issue now, uh, Bill, with people and, and taking media or news reports seriously or or uh, or hearing things, because th- we've kind of, as an industry, 
in a lot of ways, it's the credibility has been squandered because everybody's out yelling about things that people remember. Well, that never happened, or they weren't telling the truth on this. And uh, how, what is that like as a as a meteorologist? You're a forecaster. You try to do the best you can, and in a business where they constantly push you in the ratings, how do you how do you stay level headed? Well, I think you have to keep keep into account that there's only so much one person can do. And second of all, I'm a I'm a weather forecaster. I give weather forecasts on TV. I'm not there to do climate. Uh, you know, people you know want to know what it's going to be like next week or the week after. If you can forecast what's going to happen this winter, that would be great. But uh, you know, in terms of talking what's going to happen in 40 or 50 years, the people that watch six o'clock news aren't interested in that. They're interested in what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think people just have to have a mindset for taking a look at the news and the weather and whatever, and, and just think this out reasonably. And a couple of days ago, the temperature at one town in northern Minnesota was 41 below zero. So you would need a lot of heat. I mean, your furnace is going to be running, everybody's furnace is going to be running and all of that. At the time, it was 41 below zero. There was no wind, and it was 6 o'clock in the morning, so there was no sun. So if you're sitting there with your wind turbine, it's not doing anything. It's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And your solar panels aren't doing anything either. You have to have a backup. Uh, no matter, uh, you know, how you know, green you want to be, we, we certainly don't have the ability to, uh, to run the country off of wind and solar. And when you hear people, and I've had people tell me, if it wasn't for the president of Exxon or something like that, you know, the whole country would have wind and solar and we wouldn't have the need for any oil. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, that's just plain and simply not true. Who told you that? So, and I think somebody with a, a reasonably open mind can look at something like that and kind of figure out where the truth is. And those technologies might be nice. And down the road, we might get some of that. But uh, Bill, you know, you, you probably know a little bit about this, but as far as the battery and the storage is concerned, they just don't have that yet. They're not there. Yeah, in transport. I mean, we, we can't put windmills up and wind turbines up in uh, Kansas and ship the electricity to New York through FedEx or something like that. That just doesn't work. So that's the problem. And by the way, you know, I mean, I'm not against this. I have solar panels on my house. and I, I was one of the first people to get them back in the 1970s. You know, I've... Uh, you know, I I live as green as anybody. I yeah, mean, you I remember that. the story about Al Gore using 20 times the electricity of everybody on his street? Yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm like, 20 times? What's the guy doing, growing weed in the basement or something like that? What's going on? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Bill Stefan is with us right now. Uh, he He's a chief meteorologist here at uh, our local uh, Wood, Wood Radio is uh, the station that I work at. He's the Wood TV, and... Although we're, uh, I think at one point we were kind of related. We're just more partnership now. We're not owned by the same company. But uh, Bill's somebody that I like to go to and we talk to on a, on a daily basis when we get a chance to, especially when we have the events that we're having here lately, because he's in a reasonable sort of voice. And a lot of times you don't get that when it comes to people hyping up forecasts and things like that. And Bill, I thought you'd be the perfect person to talk about with this. When I come back, if you can hang on the phone line with us, I just want to read you from the USA Today what they're saying about the record low temperatures and as it relates to climate change. I want to talk about man-made versus the just the cycles and the things that we're experiencing. And maybe you can help us weigh a little bit more in on this and, and sort of put some spotlight, some sunshine on this. Maybe we can figure this whole thing out. Bill Stefan will come right back after this. Barkley in for Pat Gray Unleashed today on The Blaze. You are listening to Pat Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Prey Unleashed. 888-933-93, the number you can join us, Justin, at justinbarkley.com. On the email, love to hear from you. We're talking this climate change. By the way, Trump tweeted about this earlier today. President saying, gosh, I, you know, with all this cold that we're seeing and it's uh, this this uh, you know, this cold front that's swept through a lot of a lot of the plains in Midwest and uh, we're seeing record temperatures. I'm looking at the chill chart right now and boy, it is freezing. Uh, I look, I'm seeing it one place up here. It looks like negative 31. That's pretty cold. Negative thirty. Well, I'm not even sure where this is. It's bordered on the uh, on the borderline with uh, Canada here. It's up north. Looks like that would be Minnesota. I think that is Minnesota. It's cold. So he says, "Man, we sure could use some of that global warming." On the phone with us right now is uh, Bill Steffen. He's a chief meteorologist here at uh, Wood TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan. One of the articles I read this is coming off of a uh, USA Today. Sammy Roth. One of the quotes here. It's cold outside, but that doesn't mean climate change isn't real. And so so part of this is understanding what is climate change and, and, and are we seeing any real issues? You said that we are getting warmer in some ways, and, and what are the reasons for that, I think, is an entirely another conversation to have. But uh, this article says, Bill, this week's cold snap has brought record low temperatures, freezing rain, and heavy snow to much of the United States, but 2017 – is still on track to be the second or third hottest year ever recorded globally. And scientists say climate change is to blame. And on top of it, uh, they blame uh, man-made climate change. Long-term drying of the U.S. Southwest, they're talking about uh, due to warming of the Arctic, that brings this this cold. It's gotten easier for freezing Arctic air to swoop further south. Now, is there any truth in any of this? Well, first of all, I want to say that uh, nobody denies climate change. I think that's uh, one of the false arguments uh, going around now is that uh, somebody denies climate change. Everybody knows there's climate change. Here in Grand Rapids, we've had palm trees and we've had glaciers long before people were driving (laughs) SUVs. So the climate does change. It does that naturally. That's why we have the Great Lakes, you know, because the climate changed. Yeah, and I I said you know it's it's yes yeah, exactly true, and uh, you know with the with the change that we see right now, of course, that's over long periods of time. We can't attribute uh, one day, one week, one month, one year, even the number of years to climate change based upon one year being an extreme. We have to look at, at this over a whole, over a long period of time. And mm-hmm. you know the satellite record only goes back, like I said, to 1979, and in 1979 to 2018 is just not a very long period of time. I think when we have about two or three hundred more years here, uh, you know, we'll be able to uh, to take a look at this and, and see some of the dynamics of the ocean. La Niña's and El Nino's will be better able to forecast what the winter is going to be like. Uh, by the way, we have a weak to moderate La Niña going on right now, and that usually means a fairly active hurricane season and a fairly active severe weather season. So we had that last year. We successfully forecast that this uh, past year was going to be the biggest severe weather year since 2011, and that was exactly what happened. We forecast it would be a severe year for hurricanes, and of course that happened after about a 12-year drought where we really didn't get much in the way of hurricanes. We had uh, the big year in 2005 with Katrina and Rita and Wilma that year. Uh, This year, of course, we had the, the three major hurricanes, too. We had Irma, we had Harvey, and Maria and uh, we're still recovering from that. But climate always changes. 
um, I think the big argument is the degree of, chi- of climate change. Uh, is, are we warming catastrophically? And I think many of us would say, no, we are not. And, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, taking a look at uh, temperature here, uh, you know, I mean, I've, I've had people tell me if the temperature warms up in Grand Rapids by one degree, that would be catastrophic. And I said, well, Kalamazoo is one degree warmer than Grand Rapids. I mean, I've been there. People live there just fine. You know, it's not a catastrophe to have the temperature one degree warmer. So uh, it's something that you have to uh, take as, as a whole. And when it comes to uh, climate, uh, we, we really are making some progress in, into getting uh, more data available. I think more people are going to be doing, being able to do uh, research. And, uh, you know, as, as time goes on, we'll be able to have a better feel for uh, what the climate is doing. But right now, we have a lot of people out there that are just... Uh, you know, on, on uh, the far extremes, they tend to get a lot of publicity, a lot of uh, airtime on TV, and a lot of that is just basically scaring people in order to move money around. So that's it right there. I mean, you talk about the money, we talk about controlling that money, and somebody wants to to be able to uh, scare people into action, scare people into doing something. Now, I'm sure there are people that really believe this, and they're, they're well-meaning folks that are that are trying to make a difference. Uh, but in, in large part, boy, this really seems like uh, Bill. This is a lot of fear mongering, and it's uh, and it's well, a lot, well a lot of this really doesn't you know make that much of a difference. We didn't sign the Kyoto Agreement. We were the only major company that or country that didn't. It lost in the Senate, ninety nine to nothing. By by the way, everybody was on board with that. It really penalized the United States. Didn't do much to a lot of other countries that are polluting a lot more than we are at the current time, but. Um, we were the with the only industrialized or the first industrialized country that actually achieved our Kyoto goals. So despite the fact we didn't sign a piece of paper, you know, we made great strides in, in cleaning the uh, in cleaning the air. Uh, and, you know, I, I grew up in Chicago, Gary, Indiana. There was a lot of pollution. I remember the brown haze that used to rise from the sure. mills in Gary, Indiana. And we've cleaned all of that up. Water's better. Uh, the Environmental Protection Agency does a good job. That was, of course, uh, uh, originated by Richard Nixon, a Republican, by the way. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the air and the water is better than it was, whether we signed the Paris Agreement or not. Mm-hmm. We're going to be making inroads. Solar and wind energy will improve. Same with geothermal. Uh, we be, may be able to make some strides with hydro. I've always said if we put up a series of uh, dams strategically placed on the Congo River in Africa, we could provide about half that continent with uh, electricity just off of that one river. So uh, there, there'll be good things coming up in the in the past, and I, I would be more optimistic than some of these people would lead you to believe. Bill Stephan is uh, always, it's a pleasure. There's a great blog if you ever want to follow uh, up with Bill and find out what he's up to. Is Bill's blog is on woodtv.com. You can check out Bill Steffen, Chief Meteorologist there. at Bill, Bill Steffen, we appreciate you being with us today, Bill. Appreciate it, Justin. Thanks much. As always, a pleasure. That's Bill. Uh, again, good guy, reasonable, level-headed. It's very rare to find these conversations nowadays. Am I right? I, I, why can't we have more conversations like this? Because folks like Bill won't see the light of day on a national television show. They're not going to put him on. You know, they made they made fun of uh, Rush last last year during the hurricanes because he, he left, he evacuated, forced to kind of evacuate, get out because 
they thought this guy was getting out of town when uh, we, he was poo-pooing climate change and gosh, look, Rush, here you are leaving kind of thing. See, that, all they want to do is go back and forth and point the finger. Let's get real, folks. Come on. I think most most people see through this anyway. And that's the power of what used to be the pen is now the power of the tweet. Right? Trump's tweeting. More tweets, New Year's Eve security stuff you really need to know about that actually affects your life. Coming up right after this. Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network. is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Barkley in for Pat Gray today, Unleashed on the Blaze. 888 is a great way to join us. You can get in if you'd like. People with air fryers. This completely off topic. This is completely out of the blue. Or maybe you got one of those, uh, those what is this? The Instant Pot? Is it? It's kind of like a pressure cooker kind of thing. How do you love them? Do you like them? I know a lot of people are getting this stuff for Christmas, and these are things that I thought about getting, but we we just have not moved the needle on. And I see people that love these things. A buddy of mine made French fries in them the other night. I'm just saying, are these good? They bad? They ugly? New Year's resolution kind of thing? Maybe eat a little bit more healthy? I'd like to add that to my list. And I'm just curious. I mean, is it worth it? Should I Should I pull the trigger on these things? Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. You could join the show if you'd love to. This hour, we'd love to hear from you. Also, Justin at justinbarclay.com on the email. We're fired up and we're ready to rock. You can get to me on Twitter too at Mister Justin Barclay. Uh, joining me right now, he is an expert in security. Mark Herrera is um, a guy that I've had the pleasure of talking to. I, I guess in very unfortunate times, uh, Mark, generally you and I talk around surrounding terrorist events that have just taken place. Um, and a lot of times you and I have the same conversation over and over again. It's worth having, though, because it moves the needle as far as keeping each other safe. And I think some of the tips that you provide are very, um, you know, they're, they're real life and they're very easy to uh, implement like right away. International uh, Association for Venue Management. Mark uh, works with training. He works with Department of Homeland Security. Mark knows his stuff. Let me just put it that way. Mark, we're looking at New Year's Eve. Not just in uh, in Times Square as they prepare to drop that ball. I saw they did the confetti test. They're ready to go. I know there are some threats there, even though they say maybe they're not. Uh, I'm just looking at Drudge Report, by the way. Online. At DrudgeReport.com, threat high-rise snipers, suicide bombers, ISIS calls on disabled to commit attacks. I mean, holy cow. Would you be there if you had to be? I mean, that's kind of the question. Mark, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me, sir. It's a pleasure. Uh, I just want to say thank you very much, and I I really appreciate the opportunity to actually share some information. And you're right. You and I seem to... uh, to coordinate our efforts uh, regularly, especially post-crisis. And, yeah. But I think it's, to your point, I think it's important to have folks and people understand the importance of, of their safety and what to look for, what to be aware of, how to prepare, how to plan, and how to 
how to execute their own emergency plans. Because as, as we know, um, millions of people are expected to attend uh, the New York City's Times Square, which makes the crowded tourist site an inherent target. But you have to also understand that we can't allow the threat to take the joy out of life. And so with all of the intel and information that comes across that I receive uh, sitting on the DH, on the Department of Homeland Security Council, we're able to plan ahead. Uh, ahead. Um, teams, the, your local, state, federal agencies, including your fusion centers, are able to get together and provide the security measures needed to protect the small to large crowds. Because as we know right now, it's not a surprise. We live in a very dynamic threat environment that's comprised of homegrown violent extremists, lone wolf actors, emotionally disturbed persons, and just criminal actors in, in general that are looking to disrupt our daily lives. But this information that's coming across is a lot of folks think you know, it's, it's all terrorist activity. It, it could be the neighbor down the street as well. And again, they're targeting small and large crowds, but it's encrypted messages that are coming across through applications that are providing instruction on how how to create havoc and how to create crisis where small crowds, small and large crowds are gathered. And, and as you know, Justin, that could be anywhere, uh, anywhere. And and what are they using right now, um, including, um, you know, there's there's several key iconic locations that are being targeted. And obviously one of them is happens to be Times Square with no credible threat. But uh, the the wide variety of weapons and tactics that are being used are are simply improvised explosive devices, also IEDs. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say that when you see bags that are laying around unattended, that's it's critical and crucial that that gets reported. Uh, vehicles that are parked unattended for long periods of time, that's critical because as we as we know, those vehicles that are parked there abandoned um, have the potential to also possess. Explosives are also known as vehicle-borne improvised explosive devices. And, of course, the small arms attacks, it's happening regularly. We just had one happen just the other, just the other day. Um, the, the thing is, 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 is do, do we allow that to take the joy out of life? No, what we're doing is, all, as I mentioned before, they're taking the, the precautionary methods to mitigate those risks. And the best example that I can give you is, it's, we rely on those that are, that are tasked with the responsibility of providing our safety and security, but we have to take ownership of our safety as well, Justin, and sometimes we don't. We have to increase our observational uh, capabilities and be cognizant and aware of anomalous behavior and unusual activity, and it's okay to report that, and, and, and we haven't done that. We don't do that regularly because that's the way we're brought up. So now you see something, you say something. Training, that's critical. Uh, I, the best example I can give you is no different than Vegas. I was, able, I was fortunate to train the Mandalay Bay staff. They do a phenomenal job uh, in securing their, their environments as well. But I, I'll tell you this, the outdoor amphitheaters is another example. Um, these folks are staying ahead. Like the, the Levitt uh, Outdoor Amphitheaters, we provide uh, tons of training for these folks. And a big part of that is we've got to go look beyond the physical security measures that are in place and – start increasing observational capabilities and so we're looking way beyond that now but it's incumbent about everyone that attends these events to be aware that you are also responsible for your safety and to report the unusual things that you may see you know it's those little things that you just mentioned uh i i took a class of cpl for uh probably i guess it was like eight or nine hours we did the 
the training, and it just scratches the surface. It's this idea, this understanding that you have to be, you really should be more aware of yourself, right, and your surroundings, and and there's a responsibility for for not not only yourself but your family and the people that that are with you. Uh, Mark, it really, I think most people don't realize. Well, most people are looking at their phone. Let's let's be real when they're walking around or doing. God knows what, but they don't realize um, when you're looking up and you're able to see things, how easy it really is to be able to spot things that are out of the ordinary um, and maybe shouldn't be there. Justin, we also have to understand that there's pre-operational surveillance. Uh, The threat conducts this on a daily basis. The threat is in and out of all of these locations where public assemblies gather, and they're doing pre-operational surveillance. And when they see folks on cell phones complacent, completely checked out, mentally not present, uh, physically there, mentally not present, well, then they're taking note of that. And that makes that that makes you as a target as well as that particular venue or location very vulnerable. So we need to constantly be aware of our surroundings and make eye contact with folks, as many people as you can. Look around. Uh, don't get so complacent. And I, and I talk about the two things that affect us in life, and that is hesitation and complacency, and those two things go, go hand in hand. When you do the same thing every single day and you expect the same outcome, and all of a sudden you have a catastrophic event, an event that you never expected to see, that creates hesitation. So, therefore, the evacuation processes and procedure uh, evoking the emergency protocols become delayed. Your ability to respond becomes delayed because that was never part of our planning process, our own personal planning process. So for those folks that are attending these, these, these gatherings where public assemblies gather, start developing your own emergency plan in your mind. Start knowing where your evacuation routes are located and position yourself accordingly. Um, start knowing who to contact and where rally points are in the event that you get separated from your family, where do we meet to assure that we're we're all accounted for? So there's many different things that we need to we need to start start looking at as we move forward, uh, Justin. So Mark Herrera is with us right now, and one of the things, Mark, that uh, that you just mentioned, I think that it always makes me think about this. And we talk about you get a, a a plan for your family when it comes to you know fire safety in your home. Uh, a lot of people preparing nowadays, they will prepare even further for disaster with food and some of these other things and, and maybe a bag of, of necessities. Maybe you go out and you're driving down the road and cold temperatures where we are in Michigan right now, you're going to have a little bit of a, maybe a, I don't know, a, a bag or some supplies with it. Maybe you'll have a little bit of a, you know, blankets and first aid, things like that. Why wouldn't you be prepared in a case of some of these other things? I mean, you're going to prepare for what happens in a case of a fire at your home with your family and have this plan set in, set in, in place. And maybe you're going to – who knows? Maybe you'll practice this a little bit. That, that sort of thing, uh, when you do, I guess, really puts you in much better position to be able to respond when these things do happen. Unfortunately, Mark, we just it like it's like we live in a world where you, I hate to say it, but it's more likely sometimes it seems like it is than it won't happen. That's correct. So what happens is this: is our culture, our background, our lack of experience and exposure to certain conditions and situations prevent us from reacting or responding. You said it best, Justin, just now. Is mental preparation is also the key. When you mentally exercise your emergency plans, your own personal emergency plans in your mind, what you're doing is programming the subconscious mind to recall that information. As we know, the subconscious mind plays a big part of that. So the more information you place in your ex- experience files. Um, you're, you're basically saying, okay, 
here's an event that's taking place, and I'm going to come up with three action plans on how I'm going to uh, to disrupt that event. Now, now, once I come up with those three action plans, I'm going to find three ways to actually counter that particular situation or remove myself from that situation. And if you have those action plans ingrained and, and enhance the mental preparation portion of it, guess what? It's no different than shaking somebody's hand. Instinctively, automatically, you do it. You don't have to think about it. It's ingrained. And, and no different is when I work SWAT special, special operations. We did the same thing with our team so that it just becomes automatic. There's no thought process. It takes the thought process out of it. So there's, there's absolutely no hesitation. And as part of the training, when I travel around the world and I do this heightened level of situational awareness, we, we've been very fortunate that we hadn't had a, any hijackings. But that was my job is to try to help prevent the, the hijackings with the Department of Homeland Security. And part of that was identifying uh, mental preparation and identifying the unusual patterns of behavior that we needed to find ways to mitigate those, those concerns or those risks. And so – we as individuals need to also do the same thing as we, whenever we attend any type of, of event, Justin. Mm. Mark Herrera, he's the Director of Education at the uh, International Association for Venue Managers. And uh, I know you work with, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Mandalay Bay. You're working with all kinds of different uh, places. Boy, they've really changed a lot of these rules and a lot of the... Uh, one of the things I realized here in Michigan, I'm sure it's... It's probably similar throughout the country. One of the places you cannot carry when I went through the CPL training, obviously, is, uh, you know, there are sports venues and there are entertainment venues. And some of our larger venues you just you, you, you cannot carry in. And, uh, boy, it's almost like when you go into these places, you're, people know that. This is a, this is a sitting – you've got a lot of sitting targets in these areas. Not just there in the event, but uh, – Another thing that Mark that uh, that I'm sure you plan for, especially now more than ever, is people that are waiting to get in or maybe coming out of the event. So, Justin, that is very critical right now. So now we're the threat is not looking within the inner perimeter of an actual venue, whether it's outdoor or indoor. What they're looking at now is the ingress and egress portion, where people will evacuate or will people mm-hmm. come in because now they can utilize. As you know, they're utilizing small arms attacks, but now one of the common methods of attack are, is, is vehicle ramming. I can, oh. I can just drive a vehicle and mow down folks before they even make it inside yeah. the venue and yet accomplish the goal of affecting large, large, small to large crowds. We're seeing that. We saw that one in October and Halloween in, in New York City. We just saw this, this recent attempted uh, attack with this suicide bomb that uh, was botched uh, near Times Square. Um, that could have even been maybe a, a run up to this, uh, this, this sort of pre planning for, for Times Square and New Year's Eve tonight. Uh, I know that they've tightened security quite a bit. Um, some of the things we've seen, uh, as I mentioned on Drudge earlier, this is what they're reporting, um, that they might, uh, try to use, uh, suicide bombing as, as you just mentioned, the truck is, another piece of this um and this other one is kind of interesting i haven't seen this before but it's from being reported pj media pjmedia.com one-legged american isis jihadist jabs fake media and dog of rome trump so they're talking now about going out in this article that's the headline about going out and using people that um 
might have different abilities, disabled, handicapped, whatever you want to call it, a person with one leg, no legs, whatever, uh, that uh, normally get, uh, I guess, maybe might get a little special treatment in some certain cases or wouldn't even be looked at, but they're going to use them in attacks as well. I don't know Absolutely. what the accuracy of this is, but, I mean, it's something It's it's something new, and I'm sure you're a little more privy to the communications and what folks are saying through the through those uh, those channels. Absolutely, Justin. And, and know that the, the typical security measures right now in, in New York, obviously, they're going to be utilizing, obviously, sand trucks, obviously, blocker vehicles on the nearby cross streets. They're going to mix that crowd with plainclothes uh, and uniformed officers. Um, they'll be deployed if needed. There's going to be enhanced and increased security at the obviously all the parking garages. There's going to be a, a closer surveillance of your large bulk trucks or your rental vehicles, any vehicles in and around the area. So the security measures are definitely going to be enhanced based on the intel and information that, it, that has been received. Um, however, again, it's, it's very critical that we are, we are also aware of our own emergency planning procedures as well. Uh, so I, again, I, and, and I would like to, I would like to say this, Justin, I think this is critical. And a lot of, we talk about the gloom and doom of everything that's happening in, in the world around us because it's the obvious and it's the inevitable. It's what's happening. But here's the thing. The, the, the most awesome thing that has happened is we have actually foiled 40, 45 to 49 mm. terrorist attempts almost within minutes. And you have to ask yourself, why did that happen? And it happened because people have become more aware and cognizant as to what's going on around them. That these folks, these these attempts that were foiled, were based on on, on observations that were made and reported immediately. So that's I think since 9/11, that's a that's a win, and so we just need to continue doing that. Mark Herrera, always uh, always a good idea to look at the positives and the things that are happening. Mark Herrera, director. Of educational uh or at uh, the international association of venue management we appreciate you being with us mark any any last words before we let you go yeah i would like to say this that it's as, as i travel around the world and i train within the sports leagues on behalf of ivm and obviously all the venues um we're going to take it one step further so we're going to do something with our academy for venue safety and security we're adding another component and it is looking beyond the physical security measures and that is adding a component that deals with enhanced and increased observational capabilities that we're going to provide as training to those that attend our academy for venue safety and security um i think that's that's the key that's critical and uh we my goal is to stay ahead of the current threat level and um and, and I kind of vowed that I would do that when I retired uh, uh, working special ops. So I'm going to continue to do that and utilize other folks to, to assist me in, in carrying that function out. Mark, thank you so much for all your time and all your efforts. We really appreciate everything you do. Thank you, Justin. Have a great and happy new year, by the way. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue. 888 You can join in the program if you'd like. Join the program. And, and by the way, I'm on email. If you want to email me, you can email me and sound off at Justin at JustinBarkley.com at Mr. Justin Barkley on Twitters. We'll do it. When we come back, Barkley in for Pat Gray Unleashed today on The Blaze. Pat Gray Unleashed. The Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray returns 
888-933-93. Barkley in for Pat Gray today on the Blaze. Homeowners made $2 trillion on houses this year, by the way. That stock market still it just seems to be like uh, continuing to go. What was the Dow trying to close at 25000 I haven't checked. Let me see. Let me see what happened. Pull this up. Just shy. 24,812.92. As of uh, 124. What time does that shut? Does that shut down at, uh, is it four or five? 315? All right, there you go. So they're close. Will it hit 25,000? Housing bubble 2.0 is the question. But, you know, we talked a little bit about this. I don't know if it was yesterday or what, but Americans who are lucky enough to own their own little slice of the American dream are about $2 trillion wealthier this year, courtesy of Janet Yellen's efforts to recreate all the same asset bubbles that Alan Greenspan first blew in the early 2000s. This is according to Zero Hedge. After surging 6.5% in 2017, the highest pace in four years, according to Zillow data. Total market value of homes in the United States reached a staggering all-time high of $31.8 trillion at the end of 2017, roughly one and a half times the total GDP of the United States. If you add the value of all the homes in the United States together, you get a sum that's a lot to get your mind around, $31.8 trillion. How big is that? It's more than one and a half times the gross domestic product of the United States and approaching three times that of China. Altogether, or as I like to call it, China. <clears throat> Altogether, homes in the L.A. metro area are worth $2.7 trillion more than the uh, United Kingdom's GDP. That's before this luxury home on steroids just hit the market. They've got a brand new uh, New York City metro home. $2.6 trillion, they're saying, total value of homes in the New York, New York City metro. It's crazy. It's nutty. And then you look at the California versus all the other states. Uh, Looks like Florida's big. New York, Texas is doing well. Wow. This is a good chart. Michigan, not too shabby. Look at that. Ironically, among the 35 largest U.S. housing markets, the one who experienced the greatest total home value growth happened to be Columbus, Ohio, which gained 15.1%. There's a lot of stuff happening there. Cleveland, Detroit area. I wonder if that has anything to do with Quicken and Dan Gilbert. Meanwhile, the millions of Americans who have been forced into renting following their short sales or foreclosures in the wake of the last housing bubble threw a record $485.6 billion down the drain, they said, in 2017 on rent. Here's where I will uh, I will beg to differ. We rent, and we actually choose to rent. I like it. Part of it has been... Uh, part of this has been just been necessity and radio. I moved around throughout the country, owned... Back in 2000, I was like 24 years old, 2000 and, was that four, five? I bought my first house in the, in the, in the, the heat of the bubble, right? Lost it. I was in Cincinnati, Ohio. I got a job in another market, moved out. Right as I moved to take that other job, that house was left there. And I'm like 24. They should never have given me that house in the first place. And 24, this house was like 
quarter of a million dollar house. Stupid, 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 stupid. Learned a great lesson. Uh, Delta went uh, went belly up around that time, and where I was at was near a Delta hub, and a lot of the pilots lived through there. So there were people losing their houses, you know, families. Made it uh, tougher to sell mine, and, you know, one thing leads to another. By the way, that was a long time ago, over 10 years ago. But like I said, you you know, you live and you learn, I guess. But since then, I was just rented. And one of the things I enjoy about renting, and I think a lot of younger folks do like to rent, is the idea that, you know, you're not on the hook for stuff. This house that I live in, and thankfully, we've we've been here five, six years, been in the same house, great uh, landlord. We looked at buying it. It's just not necessarily adding up as far as the numbers are concerned. Uh, we would pay a lot less, but you got to think about some of the repairs you might have to do. This guy, poor guy, had to put in uh, plumbing. Had a major plumbing issue when we first moved in. Had to replace a heater and then do a complete bathroom remodel in the master bathroom since we've been there. So we're both happy parties and happy that we're renting. Quick break. Back right after this. 888 on the blaze. It's Justin Barkley in for Pat Gray today. We are unleashed. Pat Gray. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. I think this guy should have his own show, by the way. No, not me, the, the, the guest I'm about to bring on. He has been on at least three or four times in the last month, month and a half. My favorite Alabamian. <laughs> I'm not bringing him on really to talk about Alabama and politics today. Completely different reason. You'll see, I think it's worthwhile. But uh, Adam Davis, my good friend, entrepreneur, he is a former law enforcement and an author. Appreciate you being here with us today, Adam. Justin, how are you, my friend? I'm be, be, be grateful you're not up here in the cold, frozen tundra of Grand Rapids <laughs> in West Michigan, man. It, it's cold. Yeah, it's. I was just looking. It's, uh, it's in the mid-40s here with a high of around 57 a day. So mm. we're, uh, I'll trade yeah, that in. That's shorts weather, man. What are you talking about? Blistering you know? cold for Alabama. <laughs> hey, you know, we were just talking about Roy Moore, and I know you're tired of talking about this one, but... Oh. Uh, they certified that it's done. It's over. Yep. It's but it, over. but it ain't over till it's over because Royce he <laughs> might still come back and challenge the thing with a uh, with a recount, right? So he's still got seventy two hours to do that. I don't know if he has enough money to do that. Yeah, I don't know that he's going to have enough muscle to make that happen. But you know, um, it's been it's been. It's been fun. It's it's been real, but it ain't been real fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my favorite uh, favorite clip I played. I think this is uh, Merrill talking about. Hey, you guys have been here for weeks, and you can almost hear him say that Southern hospitality is wearing thin. He's like, you know, people knew yeah. there was an election. This is the y'all clip. been down here with us for over six weeks every day, and you've been covering the election and you've been promoting the election. We've never had this type of media exposure in the history of Alabama on any election, let alone. On a special 
election, which since we were the only game in town, y'all were here each and every day promoting the election. So everybody in the state of Alabama knew there was an election going on, whether uh -huh. they wanted to participate or not. That's Southern Hospitality. He's wearing county. I think he's about ready to roll up the carpet. The Boys, it's time to go. You don't got, <laughs> don't got to go home, but you do. Get back on, get back on the horse and go home. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, but you know, we, this this whole thing has been in a boy. It, it really has been something else. So we we've been covering it's been a this. Yeah, yeah, it's been a circus for you guys. I'm sure you all done yeah. ready to yeah. have this done with. Yeah, we are. Let's let's move on. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I heard. Uh, by the way, the reason, the real reason why I wanted to have Adam on today is. Uh, there was a report issued uh, earlier this week, and it talks about law enforcement and law enforcement deaths and. Uh, one of the reasons I think you're uniquely able to to talk about this as former law enforcement, now an author, you've got a couple of books that you've got one book that you've written called Spirit and Truth. It's 52 Devotions for Law Enforcement. Yeah. And uh, that's out second edition now. If folks want to get this, theadamdavis.com. you got another one that's coming out soon. Um, I guess you can pre-order that now. and It'll be out in May, but it's called Behind the Badge, 365 Devotions for America's Law Enforcement. Yep. And you're actually doing... Uh, daily devotions on the on the website that they can have delivered to their to their email uh yeah. every single day now yeah you know i had a uh, a lot of people that were buying the devotions uh the books i wrote for law enforcement were not law enforcement officers or you know any type of law enforcement they said well, these you know these are really good and so i just i felt like i could uh provide something it was something i felt like i needed to do and and it's gotten some great response, um, and so it's delivered every day about 6 a.m. Central to your email inbox. And mm. it's, it's about a two-minute read, and it's practical, it's relevant, and it's very easy to digest. But, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful, man. You know, this is uh, – you know, when we look at the, the line of duty deaths in law enforcement, it's really – I think you have to give a lot of credit to, number one, the awareness for officer safety – the big news, by the way, the drop first, it's just a drop yeah. for the first time in three years, and that's great yeah. news. Yeah, that's, that's tremendous. But, you know, and, of course, one's too many. And, mm -hmm. and, but, but the drop is, is, uh, is an obvious fruit of an administration that's not going to tolerate uh, or promote violence against law enforcement. And, uh, and that's huge. But you also you got to look at uh, awareness and officer safety. And there's a lot of people praying for law enforcement, man. There's a lot of there's. I don't think there's ever in our history with the power of social media been as much going on as far as awareness and and, and groups and support. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's always in the forefront now. Uh, one is too many, but yeah. I am glad to see the downward trend, like everybody else is, and and hopefully we can continue to see that drive down. There were 128 line of duty deaths reported uh, this year. From traffic-related incidents, and yeah. uh, forty-seven of them, by the way, and that's that's the most dangerous part. Anytime you got to get out of that car, I think is is oh, kind of it's just the hardest, you know. Yeah, it, I think uh, as of Thursday, it was of the hundred and twenty-eight, forty-four were a result of being shot and killed, mm -hmm. and that was down for about ten percent from twenty sixteen. A good resource, sixty-six the year before. Yeah. 
Yeah, unbelievable. So wow. good resources, Officer Down Memorial page, odmp.org. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go there and you can look up uh, officers that have fallen in your respective states, Michigan, wherever you're listening from. Yeah. And it gives you current, you know, events or current stats and things of that nature. But this is this is on key. I mean, and it's good to see that number going down. Mm-hmm. And uh, we continue to, to send our thoughts and prayers to the, the all the folks that are serving on a daily basis are going out there, and boy, I can't imagine in weather like this. I know oh, you probably had to work some some interesting scenes and some interesting situations uh, when when you were working with weather. But man, can you imagine stuff like this? Yeah. Not a Michigan winner. Never <laughs> so I know you want to do some good some good things for some folks that are in law enforcement. You just have this kind of heart to serve anyway when it comes to these books and then the devotions that you're you're putting out there, uh, Adam. How can folks find out more about this? And maybe they want to send some books to to uh, you know. I think it'd be nice to send some of these books to to some. You know, to to maybe a sheriff uh, department here in in, in uh, yeah, county you're in, or maybe you send it to a a local, uh, you know, the the local city, or maybe even the state police um, uh, the, the yep. branch. So, well, behind the badge is is not available yet. It won't release until May, but they could contact Broad Street Publishing. Uh, who's the publisher on that? And they'll be able to work out something to get the book out to to their agencies. Uh, for Spirit and Truth, they can just contact me through uh, the website, theadamdavis.com. dot com, mm-hmm. and or they can just order the books individually on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, or any other uh, online retailer. And uh, but if they want volume discounts, just contact me directly through the website, and I'll be more than happy to have my assistant work uh, work out those details with them and and get the books out. Because I mean, at the end of the day, we, I want to be I want to be a blessing. I want these books to be a blessing, and uh, that's my number one goal for 2018 is to be more of a blessing than I have been this year and, and in the past. And and uh, it's my heart to to try to make the world a little bit better of a place than what it was when I got here. Hey, got a question for you, Adam, on the phone. Yeah, we yeah. got we got Lon who's calling in from Kentwood right now uh, with a question for you. Lon, good morning. What's your question for Adam? Good morning. Yeah, I, I'm just wondering if with the current climate, uh, anti-police climate, if some of these officers, and not, no knock on officers, but if they're avoiding making some of these stops where in the past they might have gotten shot or put in danger because of the climate that they might be investigated or accused of racial profiling, they might stay away from some of these neighborhoods or, or avoid making some of these stops they might have made in years past. That's a good the murder question. rate is up. The murder rate is up nationwide, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Appreciate that, Lon. That's, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I can't I can't speak for for every officer, um, but I can tell you this: uh, it certainly plays. It, it puts a thought in in anybody's mind. If you know, you you take for example, if if you put yourself in in the shoes of an officer, and you've seen all the headlines over the past couple of years, and you're you're chasing somebody, and they pull out what looks to be a gun, and you fire and shoot them. What's going to happen? Whether you're right or wrong, yeah, it's going to be a mess, and your whole family's going to be drugged through the mud. You know, I just still going to do their job, Adam. I just went through this, and I'm going to tell you, um, I don't know how you feel about this, but uh, I just went through CPL training here, and it's been yeah. something that I have been uh, threatening <laughs> to do. You know, man, I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to do that. And finally, yeah. 
the the boy I got to tell you the last couple of incidents and we saw you know this this church shooting and uh, yep. in Texas and a couple of places we just saw there was a big there was a drive by shooting in Egypt of all places targeting Christians at a church where uh, folks are killed this, this morning and and uh, it, it's I I said to myself I've gone from beyond from okay I, it would be nice to be able to protect myself and my family too this is I think this is going to have to be this is a duty that. We're going to have to have more people that are uh, th- that are prepared. You better believe it. God forbid, in case it. of these situations. And uh, so I went out and I did that. But I want to tell you the one thing that I'll tell you as a civilian. When you go through this training, you start to realize this idea of responsibility. And and I, I'm I've never I've never liked that word, Adam. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when I was a kid, man, it was like a dirty word, nails on a chalkboard to me. Might as well have been a four letter word. Responsibility. What does this mean? But it's the ability to respond in these situations. Are you able That's to right. do it? And and all of the things that the the training that you got to go through. And the you just said this. The, Anytime you're carrying and all the law and stuff that goes along with this, you're going to be a target. Once that incident is done, it's just the beginning. It's just getting started. It's just getting started. You know, and and then you've got to go through the legal proceedings and court processes and things of that nature. But, you know, um, I, I, I encourage every law-abiding citizen, if, if it so does not uh, go against your conscience in any way, uh, you know, be a responsible, educated, and trained uh, concealed carry. Mm-hmm. And uh, because if you're in a situation where it's going to take an officer, not that they're not going to respond, they're always going to come, but their response time is, is not as quick as what it would take for you to respond if, if uh, lethal force was required sure. yeah. or justified. So, uh, and take care of yourself and your family and innocent people around you and just be responsible, educate yourself. But no, I mean, it plays, it plays, you know, those thoughts in the minds of any human being they're still going to do their job mm. they've been doing it for for years and years and years and years and uh it's one of the toughest things that you could possibly imagine is is to get back up after one of your own has lost you know paid the ultimate sacrifice mm-hmm. and they're still going to get back up and put the badge on and they're going to go to work mm-hmm. and they're going to serve you and they're going to respond whether you like them love them or hate them uh, they're they're coming. We've seen uh, the body cameras be introduced, uh, especially yeah. recently, and we've actually seen some really positive statistics with it, with the body cameras being uh, being brought in, and, and when the uh, when the officers are are out on the scene. Um, but I will tell you, I have seen locally even uh, body camera footage that when a news story is presented about how one. Uh, 11 year old girl was put in handcuffs and it was it sounded like the worst thing that had ever happened unfortunately the chief of police here responded in a very emotional way i think uh before he had a chance to see everything and to me uh when we armchair quarterback hindsight being 2020 everybody wants to kind of play the role of well here's what you should have done that's right yet in the (laughs) in the situation you can't really uh know and and I, I think it's it's refreshing to see uh, some of this footage come back. And I saw in this particular case with this little girl 
that all of these officers involved, she was in handcuffs less than like two minutes, and all of the uh, officers, and only just to put her in the back of a car so that she was safe, they didn't know who That's she right. was. And then all the officers involved, very uh, humanely talking to her, uh, very polite, very calm. Um, it just it's something else to see when you're able to actually get this footage of what's happening out on the scene when people are putting their lives in the line. Yes, it's, it's kind of squashing some of that, uh, you know, some of the some of the ways that it can be uh, skewed in a way that creates a negative light on law enforcement. But, uh, yeah, there, there's definitely a benefit to them. You know, there there's there's a lot of debate around them. Um, but, you know, I, I think they're overall playing a positive role. And uh, but, you know, overall, you know, I'm 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 happy to see the the line of duty deaths trending downward like anybody else is, but one's too many again. Yeah. It's still too many, uh, still too many. And uh, but you know, you got to look at the whole, all the different factors playing a role here, and and we're not glorifying uh, the criminal as much as uh, it has been in the past. Mm. And uh, we're actually giving you know giving some respect back to law enforcement who you know, where it deserves, where it belongs. Adam Davis, I appreciate you being here with us again. The the story, law enforcement deaths yeah, dropped man. for the first time in three years. Some great resources at theadamdavis.com. He's a good guy, and uh, I just appreciate everything that you're doing for folks. If you want to check out those books, you can pre-order Behind the Badge, 365 Daily Devotions for America's Law Enforcement. Also, that second edition of Spirit and Truth, the 52 Devotions for Law Enforcement is out right now. Uh, you can check those out, and then he's given out daily devotions in his uh, in his email online at theadamdavis.com. dot com. Thank you, Justin. Have a wonderful day, man. Happy New Year, brother. Appreciate you. And uh, and stay safe. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. The number you can check in with the Pat Cray Unleashed Facebook group, which is uh, bonkers. If you have not been in there yet, a lot of great folks having a lot of good fun. Speaking of New Year, by the way, how do you have a hangover free New Year? Just one of the benefits of a of a, our, our upcoming guest at two o'clock. Well, I guess it's my time, so it's the next hour. We should just call because I don't know when you're going li- to listen to this. When you might hear this, and who knows if we even make it there? They may just cut us right off before we get there. Uh, but our next guest will talk a little bit about that. Plus, how do you make New Year's resolutions that actually stick? I made one last year. Not a resolution, but it was something that I started that actually stuck. So we'll talk a little bit about that, too. Plus, anything else you want to chat about. Twitter is flying off the handle as well. It's on fire at Mr. Justin Barkley. You can email me, justin at justinbarkley.com. Always a pleasure. In for Pat Gray today, Unleashed. It's Barkley on the Blaze. You're listening to Pat Gray Unleashed. Follow Pat on Twitter at Pat Unleashed and send him your thoughts using the hashtag TellPat. The Blaze Radio Network. Now back to Pat Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, enough of this uh, this uh, you know, Trump tweets and climate change and all that. Let's get back to the news people really care about. An article up on the MSN. Thanks, Ron, for pointing me in this direction. Lindsay Lohan. Oh, this is breaking news. Bitten by a snake on vacation in Thailand. What the? 
Oh, man, that's got a... I am not a fan of snakes, poisonous or otherwise, but... You're kidding me? Maybe that's why it happened. Oh, she owes some money to the IRS, too. It's not a good day for her. Snake bite. Well, she survived long enough to tweet it or put it up on whatever this is, Instagram or whatever. You know, uh, despite all the things that she's been through, she's kind of, uh, you got to say, she's kind of come a long way, you know? she w- w- There was some question about the celebrity death pool for a while, how far she might make it, and uh, God bless her, she's she's doing really well. And her her uh, her dad, Mike Michael, you know who I'm talking about? He's actually a very nice guy. I am friends with him. I don't know how this worked out, but I am friends with him on Facebook, and I think it was through the years of doing radio and whatnot and talking about her and having him on to talk about it, and, and uh, she was in and out of rehab and just concerned and all that stuff. Really nice guy. I know a lot of this seems like... Uh, Seems like a little a little weird, right? That this is kind of surreal, but uh, very interesting, very interesting individual. And of course, the news that you you really want to. And so now, somehow, also, I don't know how I did it, but the looks like the oh yeah, my home screen is now MSN. I don't know how that happened, Ron. I blame you though. On Twitter, you can tweet us at Mister Justin Barclay. Uh, there are gremlins in the machines once again, by the way, gremlins. I don't know what, I have no idea what I had. I hope I didn't, by the way. Not fun. Jeremy says, hey, by the way, the problem with that armchair quarterback thing when it comes to the police and, uh, and most other issues is that most of them wouldn't even try out for the team. Amen to that. That's very true. That's why people should give law enforcement officers the benefit of the doubt. Very true. They certainly wouldn't make it. Always a pleasure to see you, by the way, on tweets at Mr. Justin Barkley. Oregon uh, Redskins said, hold on, where'd I go? I thought I lost you for a second. Yeah, Oregon Redskins said, I have a tough time with climate change alarmist when the face of the movement has a home on the California coast. This is the same coast, right, that they say is going to is going to be gone like in, in the next coming years, right? Because of because of all the well, you know, the icebergs and stuff melting and then moving all that water down and then it just erodes the coast, right? And also the cure of it all is uh, to tax us. Yeah. So I make that point that I'm sure that the uh, private jet doesn't help either there. Mm-hmm. Oregon Redskins said, I'm sure it's a carbonless private private jet. You're right. John Wald- Waldorf on the Twitter said, hey, here in Minnesota, freezing my butt off, some jackhole is on the blaze there talking about how cold it is. Thanks for the reminder. Hey, you're welcome, uh, John. By the way, you, you that beard you got, man, looks like you'd stay warm in any climate, man. And cheers to you, sir. Uh, got the pipe going. I'm sure that's not actually John, but uh, what a stellar photo. Cheryl says, uh, try negative 69 during the night and 55 below during the day. Just another day here in Alaska. Yeah, you're right about that. I will tell you, Cheryl, one of the shows that I am fascinated the most with, I don't know what it's called, Life Below Zero or something like that. Do you love that show too, Ron? Oh, man. 
I want to get away. There are some times that I just think to myself, you know, I don't need to be on that TV show or nothing, but I'd like to just go out in the middle of nowhere and uh, and just be gone and just, like, disappear. I really I don't know what it is, but there's some, there are some times that I just feel that way. Now, of course, I like... I like talking to people and being connected and things, but I really think I could well, I could probably last a while. Matter of fact, there's this thing that goes around. You probably see this on Facebook and stuff, and they say stuff like um, they'll show you like a cabin in the middle of nowhere in the woods or something, and they'll say, you stay here for a month without Internet for $100,000. Would you do it? I said, do I have to pay <laughs> Am I the one who has to pay that or Because I probably would pay the money just to be there, no internet, no contact for like a month. I I would I would do that. I don't understand. I mean, I love to be connected, and you know, I talked about it earlier. I love the smart house, and I love all the uh, you know the, all the gadgets and all the wonderful things that we have nowadays. But man, oh man, sometimes I just want to unplug from it all. Sometimes there's just nothing better. Then just taking a step back and saying, man, do I really need all this? Who's on the richest 500, the world's richest 500 list? We'll get to that. Of course, these are the, the fun lists that come out at the end of the year every year. We'll talk about that. Plus, New Year's Eve, how to celebrate hangover free. Ron said earlier, well, just don't, you know, don't drink anything. That's a good point. We'll see what our guest has to say about that coming up. After the top of the hour here next, in for Pat Gray Unleashed, it's Barkley. Pat Gray, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Ah, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Barkley with the last hour of this year of the Pat Gray Unleashed show on the Blaze. Pat is back Tuesday. Have no fear. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I feel like he's going to be. Much needed vacation. He'll, he's going to be very. He's going to be recharged, relaxed, ready to go. It's going to be. It, this may be Pat in rare form. By all means, please do not be alarmed. It's just Pat Gray unleashed. Anyway, it's uh, been an honor and a privilege, a pleasure. The last hour here, we'll start things off with a guest. Uh, who who will give us a little bit of a perspective on how to have a hangover-free New Year's and maybe talk a little bit about some New Year's resolutions as well. This guy, uh, Dr. Fab Mancini. Dr. Fab, we appreciate you being here. You, you know, my first instinct is hangover-free New Year's, uh, just don't drink. Is that got uh, <laughs> to go beyond that? Or, or do we have some information, some ways that we can actually kind of keep ourselves up to date on what to do and and uh, and how to survive. Well, you know, it's New Year, so we want to make it fun, but at the same time, remember, drink in moderation and know your limits. What we notice is that there's some people that can have one or two drinks, 
and feel nothing and other people that can have five or six drinks and feel nothing. So uh, mm. you just have to know how your body, what can it can tolerate. And uh, of course, there's some great tips on how to prevent it and definitely how to deal with it the next morning. How does, and, and, and this is an interesting question, but Dr. Fab Mancini, uh, at drfabmancini.com, he's uh, sort of an expert in this healthy living and, and then in this sort of a lifestyle. You know, I can't, guess we can't tell people not to ever indulge in a, a little bit here and a little bit there because, we, you know, uh, what would life worth be uh, really be worth and be, uh, I guess, if you couldn't get it, if you couldn't have a little bit of a taste here and there, right? So I, a lot of this comes down to that common sense talk of moderation. Some people are able to do so, that and some people aren't. Uh, that's understood. But you tell me, Doc, what, what is, it seems like the older I get, the less tolerance I have when it comes for, you know, when I was, I was a kid, I could survive anything the next day. But, boy, you know, uh, I feel like I wake up, feel like I got hit by a Mack truck the next day if I go, go in a little bit too hard these days. Well, I think it happens to all of us as we age, of course. We're not uh, functioning to the degree that we did in our teenage years, 20s, mm-hmm. etc. cetera. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, I think is important to understand is a hangover is simply the body's reaction to drinking too much alcohol. And, mm-hmm. of course, we're human beings. We want to be connected with other people. But, you know, alcohol is only one component of that. There's probably others. But if you are going to drink, the two main things that I want you to remember is make sure that you drink plenty of water the night before, during, and after, because that is one of the biggest things. Uh, Alcohol uh, decreases a hormone called vasopressin, and that's the hormone that keeps you hydrated. So you Mm. become dehydrated, which means there's not enough water or fluids in your body. The second thing is make sure you eat before you drink. Most of the reports that we get when people get hangovers is because they drank all night long without anything in their stomach. So make sure you have a good meal and eat in between drinks and definitely eat first thing in the morning when you wake up. All right. What do I eat? Because, I, you know, you think about hangover foods, and uh, I've heard some talk that uh, some of this greasy stuff isn't, isn't necessarily good for you. No, and it's so funny. There's so many... I think they're myths or there's so many opinions out there. But let me tell you what service have told us. The first thing is you want to make sure that you replenish the fructose, the sugar in the body. So any type of fruit uh, is going to be very welcome. Any type of juice is going to be very welcome. Number two, you have to replace the electrolytes. You know, those are the, 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 the thing that keeps our bodies functioning, that gives us energy. So you can either do like a sports drink or some people are even using Pedialyte, like what we give babies, and they are amazing at re- restoring the electrolytes in the body. But you can also eat eggs, bananas. Uh, those are also foods that have been shown that can be very helpful in the morning. Or, you know, your toes and all that just to absorb that alcohol that may be sitting still in your stomach. Then again, the other thing is, hey, maybe they don't drink so much. Uh, I have a hard time, the other thing is, making it to, like, the ball drop. I'm getting older. I'm not that old. I'm not yet 40, but, man, I'm getting to the point where it's like, yeah, I've seen this before. So if I'm not at a party and I'd rather kind of be, you know, at the house, you know, with, with my wife and, you know, just hanging out, you know, eh, maybe I don't want to go out and have a big party. 
Uh, it's hard to make it that late. Are you seeing folks that uh, that are out uh, doing things on New Year's Eve? I call it amateur night, right? Where they probably wouldn't do those things any other night of the year. You know, I think that most of us, as we age, uh, we become more common sense. Uh, if once we experience something like the dropping of the ball, staying all all the night out, drinking until you're so sick in the morning and hangover, you know, the the, the novelty kind of wears out a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. I think the important thing is to really share it with the people you love. I mean, there's just a lot of uh, wonderful things about a new year. It's a new beginning. Uh, right. You get to start again, and there's a lot of positive things going on. Uh, that's for sure. So let's uh, let's move quickly because people want to talk about uh... – you know, the, 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 uh, of course, when you talk about the new year, you have the celebration. And then you want to talk about what comes to the, the resolutions. People do this. It's funny. They shift from let me go out and one last hurrah, right? And, and it, I, I've been guilty of this, too. Like, before I start the diet, I'm going to have one more brownie or one more night of whatever. And people do this. Uh, but then they expect to go clean, like, right into the next day. When, when you want to start fresh for the new year, how do you set a, a resolution that actually lasts? Well, one of the things that we've noticed is that you should start thinking or writing down your resolutions um, in December, before mm -hmm. the new year. Begin to think about what you want to create. Uh, writing it, most studies have shown that when you write your resolutions, you have 70% greater chance of accomplishing. Mm -hmm. So make sure you write it down. Write it down and Tell somebody about it so they can hold you accountable. Uh, the other thing is that find a resolution that is meaningful to you. A lot of people, you know, the number one resolution for most Americans is losing weight. But when you really go into that, you find that most people want to lose weight because of the compliments of other people or how somebody else is going to uh, look, look at you or treat you instead of finding the fact that, you know what, maybe I need to put health as a priority. Maybe... My, my, my state of being should be a, uh, what I should be thinking about. So whatever resolutions, make sure that they're yours and find a meaning behind it, something that is going to be a bigger payoff than continue to do the same behavior. Hmm. So when it comes to the, the other thing I've often heard, and maybe you can help me kind of figure this out, when it comes to these goals or resolutions, DrFabMancini.com. Dr. Fab is on with us right now talking about what to do as far as setting your New Year's resolution so that they actually stick and you actually follow through with them. Don't become a casualty like maybe you have in the past. But, Dr. Fab, I've heard some things like you want to start, set smart goals, goals that are specific, you know, they're measurable, they're, uh, you know, attainable, realistic time-based kind of goals that most people when they set a goal they say something very wide or broad and they say you know as you just said i'd like to lose weight well that could be a pound or that could be 100 pounds uh how do you do this and really make sure that you're going to follow through well the key things uh, to remember is that there are short-term goals and long-term goals so put a time frame behind them if you want to lose weight, let's say I want to lose weight, how much do you want to lose and by when? Whenever you put that, it tends to allow you to execute it much faster. The second thing is to make sure that, the, that you are putting yourself goals that are attainable. What happens a lot of times is that we compare ourselves with others and maybe somebody else lost 
you know, the 50 pounds within two weeks. Well, maybe that's not the healthiest way to lose weight for you. Uh, so make sure that you're not comparing yourself with anybody else, but you're setting goals that are really important to you. But I'm also a big believer of the accountability. Make sure that you have someone in your inner circle that's going to hold you accountable and not let you get weak whenever that moment comes and you like just want to give up, but it's going to hold you accountable to, to remind yourself, hey, this is what you wanted and this is why you wanted to do it, so let's get on with it. How important is that why part, that why factor, Doc? I mean, you, you mentioned that a, a minute ago when it came to, you know, the, the reason behind why you're doing this. You want to do this so you can get uh, comments from other people or is there something a little more powerful? How, how important is that why? Well, the why is what gives you the passion and the perseverance to get through the difficult part. Mm. You know, executing goals, executing your resolution is not going to be easy. So if you begin with that perspective, but what gets you through it is the why, a reason that is meaningful, something that is important to you. And it doesn't have to be important to anybody else. It has to be important to you. And when you know what that is, whenever that difficult moment comes, it's going to get you through that difficult time, which allows you to then execute it. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great point. Something that uh, is going to kind of pull you through, Doctor well, Fab Man. Reward, you know. Yeah. So how, I've seen even websites, but Doctor, that that, and I can't remember the name. This HealthWage, maybe HealthWage.com, where you can actually make a bet. You can go on this website. <laughs> And you can actually uh, say, okay, I want to lose 100 pounds and I want to lose it by, you know, a year from now. Uh, and and this website will take a payment from you every month. Um, and you have to go out and do the work, right? But but they're taking, let's say it's $20 from you every month or whatever. And when you come back at the end of the year, if you've actually lost that $100, it pays off and it'll tell you how much it'll pay off. How how do how do websites like this work for accountability and helping people, especially when you talk about creating that reward for yourself? You know, I'm not too sure about the website in itself, but I can tell you this. Um, I have a dear friend of mine that one of the things he does is that he's give his credit card number to a friend and they can charge X amount of money whenever that goal is not met. So if they say, OK, I'm going to lose 10 pounds within one month right, which is a reasonable goal. And if you don't lose the 10 pounds within a month, boom, you get charged $20, $100 or whatever. And then you go next month too. What is the goal there? So any type of uh, incentive is going to be good. For some people, remember, some people are motivated by pleasure. Some people are motivated by pain. Mm. So either create an incentive that is going to give you the pleasure or the pain that motivates you. Uh, and that's really what makes it work. Pleasure or pain. So it's either avoiding the pain or seeking out the pleasure. And everybody's different. So you kind of just have to figure out where you are on that on that scale. Yeah, and I think that that's a pretty easy thing because you know yourself better than anyone else. You know, sometimes I have friends of mine that said, uh, you know, the summer is coming. And I know that's hard to talk about now when it's so cold in here, but... This, the summer is coming. I need to lose 20 pounds because I want to wear my bikini. Or we're going to Mexico and we're going to go with a big group of people and I want to look my best. So I'm having my 
you know, 20 year reunion from high school. <laughs> uh, you know, for some mm -hmm. people, it's the embarrassment of not looking good that's going to drive them. Right. For other people, it's going to be the joy of feeling that they can get into their college or high school clothes uh, and sizes so they can feel good about themselves again. Dr. Fab Mancini, by the way, if you want to check him out, drfabmancini.com. A lot of great stuff there on the website. And, of course, Doc, you're, you're always uh, kind of bringing this stuff to the forefront. We appreciate You know health is probably a big issue for most people all year through. I don't know the full number of the weight that I lost, but I will tell you, it's not just about weight because last year at about this time, I think it was January 3rd, I went into a gym around the corner from me, and I said, man, I just feel, I, I don't feel good at all. Like, I, 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 I'm overweight. I had the sedentary life. I'm sitting at home, working at home a lot, and sitting in this chair and not moving much. And I could tell it was, like, harder to get up. It was, I would... My balance was off a little bit. You know, I was just way out of shape and out of, out of uh, not feeling good. So I had a problem getting getting up off the floor when I was playing with my niece and my nephew when we ho went home to visit my folks for uh, for Christmas. And and I said, man, I got to do something. So I went in there, and it was not easy. It was kind of tough. But I went in there, and uh, I I've been going ever since, since this last year. And I think there's a lot of components to, to what you mentioned, the accountability at this particular place that I – I work out it. I enjoyed the workouts. They're not hard. They're fun. Uh, the the movement kind of something that just sort of got me moving, and I've been able to do more and more since I started. And I got to tell you, I feel like a hundred percent different. I was able to play with the niece and the nephew, get on the floor, roll around with them. I feel better. Got more energy. My strength through the roof. All that stuff. And yeah, you know, I still got work to do. So I have to really look at this next year and figure out. Okay, what is my next? sort of, uh, um, you know, my neck, what, what's, what's my next approach here? But some, sometimes laying the groundwork and the foundation, Doc, instead of saying I want to lose 100 pounds, that sounds great. Maybe sometimes it's really setting that goal. Kind of my goal when I started out was I just would like to work out three times a week, sort of a small habit goal instead of a big, you know, a big uh, let me bite off more than I can chew kind of goal. You know, uh, what what about habit goals before I let you go? Are those are those something that folks can look at? Yeah, well, remember a habit is something that we do consistently for 21 days. Mm. So I think you're absolutely right. I think the important thing is to take baby steps. Create a goal that is doable, something that you're going to feel good about. You're going to feel successful, like, you know what? I accomplished it. And uh, I, I have a website uh Join the Fab Life, jointhefablife.com, where you can get a bunch of tips that I give on a daily basis on ways that you can stay healthy and vibrant and, 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 and positive and happy and all that. Because I know that there's so many things out there that people just don't know. But the important thing to understand is this. This is your life. You get to live it any way you want to. And if something is not working for you, Please know that you can change. The biggest challenge that most of us think is that we give up so quickly. We don't allow ourselves to change those habits. So we give up in the second or third day or maybe even on the 10th day. Just if we were just to hold on a little bit longer, that behavior that you want to change becomes a habit. Your brain changes the patterns and it allows you to sustain it long term. So don't quit. Stick to it and make yourself accountable for doing it because you're worth it. Honestly, you're worth it. Mm. Dr. Fab Mancini, 
Thank you so much for joining us, Doc. We want to wish you a happy new year. Thank you, brother. Happy new year to you. Enjoy yourself. DrFabMancini.com and, of course, uh, the other website he just mentioned, if you'd like to check out that website, again, is jointhefablife.com. Thanks again, Doc. Appreciate you being here. Quick break. We're back in just a moment. 888 Why is the happiest place on earth not so happy? Why are people so upset there? We'll explain when we come back. This video you got to see, or in this case here, right after this. Barkley in for Pat Gray Unleashed today on The Blaze. Pat Gray on The Blaze Radio Network. Gray is not here. I thought I was going to say more. I was just, I was just waiting. <laughs> well, because usually it's like Pat Gray is here, and then I'm like, well, now I feel bad because the people are going to like, oh great, where's Pat? Here he comes, and then I come on. Sorry, guys. Again, Pat Gray back Tuesday. Looking forward. Looking forward to it. Fresh, relaxed, rested, rejuvenated. I don't know how much of this video I can play, but boy, is it something. Do you guys have like a, is there a, um, is there a safety, <laughs> safety trigger or button there, uh, Back in Dallas, yeah. Do you guys have uh, some? Uh, t- okay, good. So I can play some of this, and then if it if there's something in here that we need to drop, we can drop. <clears throat> the happiest place on earth. <laughs> I don't even know if this is going to work yet. Hang on, let me see if I can get it to pull up. Usually, uh, uh, see, this media could not be played. There's something happening with the Twitters. They're taking stuff down lately. I can't get, I can't play what I want to play. I'll just tell you the story, and if I can get the audio pulled up, maybe you guys can pull it up there. Ben Shapiro uh, originally, I think, sent this tweet out. And uh, it's some guy. Oh, hold on. Do I, do I have sound now? Oh, I have sound now. You know what it is? I think it's it's when tw- tweets are embedded on other websites. Twitter's starting to, I think they're starting to crack down on this. Some guy, and his name is Ernest Gay Thoughts, Jay Malski, at Jay Malski on the Twitters. Boy, his, <laughs> this guy's profile is something else. Come see my solo show. Jay Malski slept with my boyfriend at UCB Theater Hell's Kitchen. Sure, that's quite interesting, Jay. Um, He was at the happiest place on earth, but not very happy as he recorded two minutes of video. I don't think I can play the whole thing. There's probably parts of this that I probably shouldn't. I don't know yet. We'll just have to kind of do this together. 
And he tweets with the video, I protested at real Donald Trump at the Hall of Protests or the Hall of Presidents because I'll never get this close in real life, probs. Hashtag lock him up. So if you recall, I don't know if it was last week or back in November, but I think it might have been last. We talked about this thing. The Trump bot that really looks like a Hillary robot thing that we they we think there's a there's an idea out and I don't I mean I looked at it and it looks pretty close. There's an idea out there that maybe this was a Hillary animatronic robot. Okay? That Disney World was building that and they had to scrap it midway and redesign the face. But I don't know how much they redesigned it. It looks a lot like Hillary still. Anyway, this guy is out there protesting. And here's some of that video from the Hall of Presidents. Now, they just said Nixon, and nobody says a peep. Nixon, out of all people. Nope, not a peep. Here's Ford. Jimmy Carter. There's Carter. Nothing. Reagan. Reagan. Not nada. George Bush. George Bush. Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. We're making our way up in the Hall of Presidents. George W. Bush. And they move. They shake. They land like. Barack Obama. There he is. And now you hear the crescendo coming. Forty-five. I don't know, guys. Do you think I should play this? Maybe. Let me pause it for a second. Because I know we have the safety net and everything, but I don't want something to accidentally happen. This is Pat's, yeah, this is Pat's show. You know what I mean? I don't want anything that bad to happen here. Barack Obama. Now, see, still not a peep, not a peep. But you can guess the protest begins right where that crescendo's coming. Oh, I don't want to do. I'm just, I'm very careful about this. You want to see the full story, by the way. We've got it up right now. It's at theblaze.com. You can see it there. I'll play some of this audio if, in fact, it can be played. If not, maybe I can, maybe I can censor, edit a little bit back here while we're uh, taking a quick break. So we'll do that. Give us a chance to sort of get our stuff together. Come back and talk more. Your last chance to, to speak now forever. Hold your peace. By the way. We continue our predictions for 2018. Will we see more of this boom? Homeowners. Homeowners, $2 trillion on houses this year. That's how much they made. There's a Midwest factory boom that's happening right now. And the stock market is on fire, 25 k on the final day. Will we get there with a doubt? We'll talk about it more after this. Pat Gray, the Blaze Radio Network. is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Yeah. Woo. See, there are people, and then there are folks like this that are just absolutely lost. Man, I don't feel like now I'm in this, and I'm in this rabbit hole, and I got to pay it off. 
because I promised I was going to, but I feel like this is exactly what this jack wagon wanted. Yeah, so now we got a blog and it because I'm thinking like as this guy's going through this, this was not his first trip in this Hall of Presidents. I think he went through. I think he heard and saw the news about this new uh, Donald Trump bot animatronic thing that they've got. They got the tie right. I'm looking at it right now. The tie is is all the way down. I think it probably should have been like a red tie, but it's all the way down. <laughs> the hand gestures are a little wrong. They're a little off. They're not as huge as you'd like to see them. China. But uh, I'll play a little bit of this. This guy is in the Hall of Presidents at Disney World. Again, this is Disney World, the happiest place on earth. And he protests the president. Um, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. George it's Bush. it's legit. It happened. Bill Clinton. All right. George W. Bush. Barack Obama. the present. Once again, we place our trust in the idea of a president, as we have from the beginning. My fellow citizens, no event could have filled me with greater anxieties. I think this is, I'm not sure, but I think this might have been uh, George Washington speaking. 1789, that you had selected me to lead our nation. But it was with the confidence of my fellow citizens that I took an oath. 35 simple words that have been repeated by every American president throughout history. I, Donald John... Lock him up! Lock him up! Lock him up! Lock him up! Immediately when the jack wagon starts yelling, people say, be quiet! This guy is such an idiot. Lock him up! 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 It's this for a full like two minutes. I mean, I could I could start talking. We could move on to something else. And it's this guy, and he and he continues. Eventually, he might get kicked out. I think eventually he got kicked out. And the comments on this, by the way, are are hilarious. Lock him up. He's still going. Lock him up. I I didn't pause it or anything. He's just continuing to go. That's how long it takes. And by the way, he just keeps he just keeps yelling. A couple of folks tweeting back and forth with him. Um, the funny thing is, uh, Ben Shapiro tweeted this out the other day. He said, "Not all heroes wear capes." <laughs> That's right. That's right. Not all heroes wear capes. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for putting it on the line for all of us. Lock him up. He's still going. Lock him up. Jay wants to lock him up right now. Lock him up, man. Lock him up. He doesn't say what for, but um, there you go. And eventually I think he was escorted out. One of these people on Twitter Kenny, I'm not going to read the last names of all these people, but he he I think he had a fair comment. He said Disney World is a private park and has a set of guidelines and standards cuz this guy obviously mad that he got kicked out, right? 
Disney World is a private park and has a set of guidelines and standards to ensure guests have a good experience. That video is disgusting and immature. Families trying to enjoy their vacations, not listen to your friends' ridiculous shouting, yelling at animatronic robots. Yikes. I mean, this is a very good point. At the end of the day, you're yelling at an animatronic robot. So the response from this guy who was doing the yelling here, uh, Disney is a publicly traded company. So the, the guy has to come back and say, private in the sense Disney creates the park's rules and regulations doing something like this. I have no doubt violated them, and that's on whoever did this. Again, it's more absolute disrespect of the young children and the families in that show when that happened. Another comment uh, from MB. She says, awful. I can't imagine how scared and confused some of those children were. Yeah, can you imagine? You just got down off a space mountain. You came in uh, to the Hall of Presidents, and here you are. uh, Some weirdo is yelling. So uh, if you ever, and this is why Twitter is always a lot of fun, and uh, folks, if you want to tweet me, feel free at Mr. Justin Barkley on Twitter. Thankfully, I don't have to deal with a lot of weirdos. Why do a show on The Blaze? It's mostly just folks in The Blaze. I like getting the tweets from The Blaze. It's a lot of fun. But can you imagine some of these other tweets, and I'm sure you see them from folks that are just, these are the, these are the people on the Twitters, by the way. 35 simple. Lock him up, they said. Lock him up! Lock him up! He's still going. He's still going. Lock him up! All right, we'll check back in with him in a little bit and find out if he's still going or not. That's the guy who had the worst time, apparently, at the happiest place on earth. Hmm. U.S. Upper Midwest factory sector sector grows fastest in three years. More news, by the way. Uh, I think this is part of this growth in the economy. Is that a picture of, uh, oh, it's Milwaukee. Gauge factory activity in the U.S. Upper Midwest improved to the strongest level in over three years in December, led by much stronger readings on new orders and production, according to a private survey released on Friday. Marquette University and the Institute for Supply Management in Milwaukee said their seasonally adjusted index on manufacturing in the Milwaukee region rose to 65.57 this month from 59.62 in November. The December figures were the highest since November 2014 when it was 68.9. A reading above 50 indicates regional factory activity is expanding. I've seen that here locally in uh, in Midwest here in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Of course, this is a completely different market for uh, the diversity and all the different things. We've got food, the agriculture, the food production, but we've also got a lot of uh, manufacturing when it comes to uh, being tied in very strongly to the auto industry. But you're seeing more and more of this. Matter of fact, the thing that I see that I hear more about than anything else when it comes to these businesses and wanting to do the biggest obstacle, now that they're actually getting the chains taken off and removed in a lot of ways, less government regulation, what I'm seeing, the biggest obstacle is, is talent. They're really trying hard to get the most uh, talented folks, the people that they really want uh, to load in there and get them on track. So they got people that are under, you know, maybe they're underemployed. Maybe there are people out there that need a little more training, but they're ready to go 
they're ready to work and they got to get them trained up in some of these things so there are a couple of different things that are on the horizon in 2018 we'll see that some of your predictions for 2018 the pat gray unleashed group on facebook right now more of the same will we see the chaos the swirling chaos that abounds and the new york times got an article by the way this is the new york times talking about the year the news accelerated to trump speed barack obama was president earlier this year really eyewitness accounts from the period confirmed this it lasted nearly three weeks it seems or roughly the time elapsed since a democrat won a senate seat in alabama if memory serves which it generally doesn't happen anymore uh, that special election came before President election helped usher a once-in-a-generation tax overhaul through Congress, but after he recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital, which preceded threats to end American aid to any countries that objected, and they did in mass, and a remarkable United Nations vote that almost certainly took place somewhere in there, right? Possibly around the, the time of the president accused a female senator of doing, quote, anything for campaign contributions, Touching off tremors in the Me Too movement, he helped inspire an alleged another wide-scale conspiracy against him in the upper reaches of the FBI. Or was that over the summer? When were those hurricanes again? Oh, and the Pentagon has been tracking possible alien visitation. That definitely came up. Look at all this. And what they bring up is this point that the tornado, this whirlwind of news, it has not stopped, it won't stop. And really, we're in this period where it should have stopped in this last, what, week or so? I've been talking about this earlier. I believe much of this is by design. There's so much chaos. There's so much swirling at the time. We can't really keep up with it. Good, bad, indifferent. It definitely feels like it's by design. You know, if I, if I go back to... I think, let me see, I think I have somewhere here, you have to remind me. There's a story that I think I saw earlier, oh, maybe it was today, maybe it was, la- it was earlier this week, and see, this is the other party, the issue, right? I can't, can you remember, can you stay on top of Everything? Like everything. Can you stay on top of, of, of what you remember reading or what you read or what you, I, it's, it's, I got to back it all up. I have a digital brain. I usually, I actually use this thing called Evernote and I go through and I back up like here's articles, you know, that I want to look through. I want to remember, or there's something I want to talk about. I'll clip it and save it into this or this thing called Evernote. So I have to go back and like look back and say, okay, what was that we wanted to talk about? That's the speed. That's that's how fast these things are moving. Some of these predictions for 2018, I think uh, you might agree with. Some of them you may not agree with. We'll get through some more of those as we continue. If you want to make one, you can call 888 Maybe just call to say Happy New Year. It's the last chance you'll get this year in 2017. 
But first, let's check in. What is Jay there, Malski? Jay Malski, is that his name over there? Ernest Gay Thoughts. What's he doing down in Disney World? Lock him up. Still going. Lock him up. He's still going. Lock him up. Lock him up. It's still happening. All right, we'll continue right after this. Pat Gray unleashed. Barkley on the blaze. This is Pat Gray. The Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network. Just do the math here. Are we in the final? I don't, I'm just. I'm going to do a ball dropping of my own here. Actually, there are a couple of places that do some pretty interesting things. Around the, we got ten minutes. Wow, the last ten minutes of the year. That's it, and it's done. Pat Gray is unleashed. Uh, and then, well, that's right. Pat will. Oh, you think I will too? Well, maybe at some point. Pat's got to take a vacation sometime. Pat Gray is unleashed, unlike uh, this guy who wants Donald Trump to be locked up. Lock him up. Lock him up. Ron said earlier, maybe we should just lock him up. Lock him up. <laughs> lock him up. Yeah. Lock him up. Lock him up. Maybe that guy should be leashed. Maybe that's the problem. Have you seen some of these New Year's Eve parties? There's one that's really freaky. Drudge had a uh, Drudge had a link to this. Mm, it's a New Year's Eve private island, uh, <clears throat> uh, private holiday party. I guess I should say it. Party on Sex Island. Uh, this came out of the Sun. Holiday firm organizes wildest New Year's Eve ever with two prostitutes for each guest. Oh, that's it? Oh, I see we're cutting back this year. I think this is Bill Clinton's Lolita Express and that uh, guy that he rolled with. Wait, he's always on that private jet rolling out there. They're cutting back this year. Two prostitutes for each guest and uh, loads of drugs and booze on the Mystery Island. Only 3,700 pounds a ticket guarantees each guest two women every day. For, quote, unlimited sex. You know what? I don't know. It's just, what could go wrong with this deal? It's almost like, uh, Ron, you sent me earlier, that island or that uh, town that Bill Gates is building. I don't know what he's building. It's a big tech town. The city. The Motley Fool. said Bill Gates bet on a trillion-dollar technology. He wants to build a city somewhere in Arizona about... 45 minutes outside of Phoenix. A secretive shell company just plunked down a cool $80 million for 25,000 acres of seemingly worthless land. <clears throat> and who is this mysterious real estate investor? None other than Microsoft founder and philanthropist Bill Gates. This is a cool story. He does want to do a lot of high-tech, smart home kind of tech stuff there. He plans to build the city of tomorrow. Well, what could go wrong there either? You know what I mean? The AI takes over and they kill everyone in that city. And then we have to nuke it. And now, now I'm just into like a movie plot. But now we have to, you know, we think about it. We have to nuke it so that they don't take over the rest of the world. 
Bill Gates City of tomorrow will have everything you'd expect. Schools, offices, retail space, 80,000 residents, and a high-speed Internet. But these amenities are nothing compared to the real reason for this technology and the utopia. You see, hidden in this tech garden of Eden, that's what he's calling it, are clues to what industry insiders believe will be a multi-trillion dollar revolution. And before you ask, no, it's not self-driving cars. Well, Gates City of tomorrow will have self-driving cars. They could be almost insignificant compared to this new technology. Consider that the global self-driving market is supposed to reach $42 billion by 2025, according to Boston Consulting Group. Yeah, I think eventually, I've said this before, I think eventually uh, you will not be able to drive your own car. This is the scary thing. I think in order to be on the road, you won't be able to drive your own car. You'll have to go in a self-driving car. Because when they get the self-driving trucks up, that's going to be... That's going to be the tough part, keeping all that insured. Because what's going to happen is they'll they'll be able to say, well, if you want insurance to be able to drive your own, if you really want to drive your own car, you know, the computers are the safest way to go. If you really want to drive your own car, you're going to have to pay through the nose for the insurance. Some people will do it. Some people will say no, and they'll take a bus or they'll take whatever Uber or whoever else is running it at that point. Cisco believes, though, that the real tech there will be a $19 trillion market before 2025, 450 times bigger than self-driving cars. And as massive as that number is, according to uh, the consulting firm Accenture, 87% of consumers don't even understand what the technology is. Interesting. And I, I don't see anything about the sex robots or the sex island involved in this story, but I'm sure they're connected somehow. <laughs> Because how can you have utopia without all of that? Oh, man. New Year's Eve celebrations are underway, and I don't know what they do where you are, but some of these are absolutely astounding. I think they attempted one in Dallas yesterday when they dropped a load of uh, avocados and that guacamole in that truck. Very close. Very close. I've seen potatoes dropped in Idaho. Uh, I think they're in Atlanta. They drop a peach. They do anything weird by where you are, Ron? They do anything dropping anything from the sky? We do cherries in Traverse City because this is like the cherry capital up here in Michigan. I've seen some really cool things. They drop um, some things that also make me go, what? What is that? Weird ball drops. They do a beach ball drop in Florida. I'd love to see a beach ball drop. They light that thing up. I would do that. And plus, um, when it comes to New Year's Eve, you know, I mean, I'd rather not be in Times Square. I've been in Times Square when it's not crazy crowded, and it's okay. I don't know if I would really enjoy it. I'm not a big crowd guy anyway. How about some of these weirder things that have uh, that have been dropped and celebrated? This might be the weirdest. You know those things that come out at um, Easter? The marshmallow um, bunny, the giant peeps? They dropped those in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. It's a big giant peep. They do a peep fest there. An oversized flea in, in uh, Eastover, North Carolina. I that That's definitely one I will miss. Well, I wouldn't say I'd miss it, but I will not be there for it. 
a moon pie in Mobile, Alabama. I'm all about that one. I don't think it's real, but it is giant. They dropped that from a building. A real dead carp in Wisconsin. Uh, This carp, the lucky carp, is the center of attention when he's lowered onto a throne to celebrate the new year. It's the culmination of weak activities, including hanging carp ornaments on a pine tree, the carp plunge, which is their version of the polar bear plunge, and busting open a carp pinata. That does not sound fun. What's in that? No, thank you. There's candy, not carp in the pinata. Okay, that changes my mind just a little bit. They drop an olive in Oklahoma? Bartlesville, Oklahoma, they drop an olive. That beach ball is Panama City, Florida, like I was talking about. They do a sardine in Eastport, Maine. Uh, A wrench in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. A duck decoy in Maryland. So many different places. Uh, By the way, Flagstaff, Arizona drops a pine cone. An apple in Manhattan. That's it. One. An apple in Manhattan, Kansas. A chunk of cheese in Wisconsin. You could see that, right? These are all fun ways to do it. A drag queen in a red high heel in Key West uh, down in Florida. That's kind of fun. They dropped that thing. Speaking of which, let's go back to Disneyland and find out. Lock him up. He's still there. Lock him up. He's still there. Lock him up. Lock him up. Might as well drop this thing, huh? Before they drop us, Pat Gray unleashed the Facebook group. I want to say hi and thank you to everybody hanging out in there. At Mr. Justin Barclay on Twitter. Always a pleasure to be in here. Justin at JustinBarclay.com. You can email me. Got a great newsletter, by the way. You sign up for that thing on my blog at JustinBarclay.com. And, uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you for, uh, for allowing me to be a part of this fun. And, of course, the family. Ron and all the folks at The Blaze making things happen and go as smooth as possible. We did get cut off one day. Not Ron's fault. Not my fault. We do blame George Soros and, of course, that drag queen in the uh, in the red high heel down in uh, where is that? Is that Key West? Lock him up! Lock him up! Lock him up! Lock him That's going to do it for us. Just going to let this play Lock out, guys. Him up. Lock him up! 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 Have a happy and safe New Year's. God bless you in 2018 and beyond. And I'm wishing you the best. Spin it with some time, no matter where you are. Friends, family, doing what you love with the folks you love the most. That locks us up. That's it. That's it for today. All right. Have a great day. God bless you. Barkley in for Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze. Lock! Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network.